0: Welcome to
1: Leaving a Legacy, a podcast focusing on the legacy format and the New England Magic experience, with your host, Adrian. And I think Tin Fins is just, um, it, maybe it's crack. And Jerry.
0: I'm going to say two things to you right now, and they're going to contradict each other.
1: Now we take you to the red room where round one
0: pairings have been posted.
1: It's astounding. Time is fleeting. Madness takes its toll. But listen. everybody to episode 13 of leaving a legacy uh, I am Adrian or mathematicster at Twitter along with me is Jerry how you doing uh, Jerry
0: oh, I'm doing well how you doing Adrian
1: I'm all right how's the weather over there
0: uh, rain just straight rain straight rain <laughs>
1: well I'm telling you man that's Pretty snowy here in magical Christmas land.
0: Oh, really? Yeah. I got to get myself over there because the weatherman's saying 60 degrees for Christmas and that's a no-go with me. Uh, so. we did,
1: no, we're, we're predicting big storms.
0: Big storms of magical Christmas land? Yep,
1: yep. W- uh, really? Yeah, so it looks like for New Year's it's going to be uh, some terrible weather. So while we're here and, you know, I'm, I'm snowed in.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Why don't we discuss the 2015 year in review?
0: Uh, yeah. Just uh you mean year in review, as in just a <laughs> year in prediction? You mean?
1: No, 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 no. This is the end of 2015 now. I mean, oh, like, oh, like what, really? Yeah. So, I mean, so far this year, you know, um, the new year is coming. 2016 is going to be falling on us pretty soon. It's it's going to take me another three months to start writing the correct year on the checks that I write. Ah yes, yes. Um, so, I mean,
0: it is difficult. It is difficult with that that the time warp going on.
1: Yeah, the, the the transition always throws me off every year.
0: It's true. It's true.
1: So, you know, one of the things I was thinking about the biggest thing I think that surprised me this year.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Was, um, I mean, so we knew pretty early that they were going to reprint Emerald in Modern Masters too.
0: And, yes, and yes. I think
1: what actually ended up surprising me about that so much was how much Modern Masters they actually printed. You know, uh, it it, it, re- it really seemed to flood the market, and I know a lot of people, you know, brought it right back to Chronicles. That um, the way they flooded the market, like, but this time last year, wasn't Emercool was like sixty dollars or something?
0: Uh, yeah, pushing seventy, in fact.
1: Yeah, and now he's down to six.
0: Six dollars! <laughs> wow.
1: <laughs> I mean, it's, yeah, it,
0: it really is amazing how much that that
1: did. <laughs> I mean, once upon a time, Emercool actually had value, and the funny thing that I actually wasn't expecting is because they reprinted through the breach with them also, and all the rest of the Eldrazi that everybody seemed to have have a copy of Emrakul, but nobody seemed to have a copy of
0: Show & Tell. Yes, yes. So, so like, Show & Tell's th- skyrocketed.
1: Yeah, I think last year around this time, I think Show & Tell was probably $80, and now it's, what, 160
0: Yeah, yeah, I and wouldn't th- be surprised.
1: That's even with the Judge Foils. Uh, sneak Attack did the same thing.
0: I know, I'm glad I upgraded just in time. Just yeah. in the nick of time. And I but-
1: think the one that also really threw me was the reprint um, of Force of Will on the core set.
0: Yeah, Force will on the corset. that's definitely. The thing is, you know, even though all these other cards just got so much cheaper, yeah. or no, I mean, show and tell just got so much more expensive, it, it really did offset the fact that they did print uh snow-covered dual Lands.
1: <laughs> yeah, okay, yeah, yeah. The
0: snow-covered dual Lands. If you think about it, I mean, it was the perfect solution, you know, got around the reserve list, they made them butt ugly, so collectors were happy because you still got your pretty <laughs> old duels, but now all the players who just want to play Duel Lands have uh, easy access to it, uh, you know. Really solve the problems. No one's running, you know, eight underground seas and, or four underground seas, four snow covered underground seas, frozen underground seas, I should say. Well, uh, but yeah, so that worked out. Yeah, that was, uh. <laughs> <laughs> so,
1: you know, I, I also think, um, you know, the, the way you took, uh, third place at the GP up in Seattle.
0: Yeah. I, I, I was, yes. I
1: was really surprised. I mean, you know, you've obviously upped your game.
0: <laughs> I tried. I tried really I, you know I really wanted that win. I really wanted that win, but I uh, I did have to settle for third. Uh did you know play for the pay, pay for the plane ticket, so that was worth it. <laughs> and and you know And uh sorry again about uh what was it? 4750 second place. <laughs> <about it. laughs> you know, better better luck next time, agent. <laughs> well,
1: you know, it's I I finally did you know it it took me till this Thanksgiving, but I finally did put down tin fins,
0: <laughs> yeah, yeah, I don't know if it was your best bet running a draft deck sixty <laughs> draft in the in the main event, uh, but you know it it's legacy, you can register where you want to register
1: well, that's what I was thinking I fi- and I figured who's gonna be prepared for this. <laughs>
0: yeah exactly exactly
1: <laughs> sometimes you can catch the meta off guard,
0: yeah it's true it's true twenty fifteen was a great year
1: <laughs> it was um oh boy, so
0: <sighs> look- looking back uh any anything else happened? I'm trying you know it's so hard thinking of all the things that you know happened in the past
1: well, you know I, we have to flash back a little bit um do you remember back in may
0: um uh, we 20- had
1: and just this last May
0: Oh, yes, because, yes Because
1: SCG started doing the two-day events What, uh, sometime, you know, at the end of last year? Like almost in the beginning of 2015?
0: It's true, you know, yes, yes. Yeah. It to the Big controversy event. Very right, controversy right. with that
1: Well, and the Worcester SCG event was two days of legacy
0: It was quite an amazing tournament
1: Yeah, and I ended up, you know, I made day two there
0: yeah.
1: Um I, I didn't register that draft deck.
0: No, no, no. Yeah, still, still on tinfins fins at that point.
1: Yeah. Uh, the interesting thing was that, uh, what were there? I think the top eight had seven players from TE? Yes, yes. <laughs> yeah,
0: seven it was, players from the local store. It's always good to see that, that local, <laughs> that local Wooster meta come out. <laughs> so that, that, was, that was, that was some good times. Good times <laughs> had by all.
1: Yeah, and, and it wasn't me. Um I did yes. make day two, but that's, uh, I think, I think the first day I played everybody with their modern deck who was disappointed it was two days of legacy. Mm,
0: uh, yes, yeah, exactly. But, you know, that, that's the way, that's the way the cookie crumbles. <laughs> <laughs> gotta have, gotta let the legacy players have their fun sometimes.
1: Oh my god, I don't know that I can keep up with these <laughs> 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 Alright. Oh boy, so what year is it?
0: (laughs) Uh, I think, I think, I think we, we we went back a little bit. I I think it is just, you know, we're wrapping up the last few days of 2014 here.
1: Alright, alright, so, oh, oh alright, so it's actually 2014 going into
0: 2015. Yes, yes. Oh, right.
1: So nobody else is aware that Force of Will got reprinted in the corset yet? No,
0: (laughs) no, we do have that future knowledge. We do have that future knowledge.
1: (laughs) I, I do still, I mean, I'm, I still, um, that is one of the things I'm looking forward to in, in 2015.
0: I'm,
1: curi- I'm curious to see... Um, to, I, I'm really wondering to see if they would actually print Tarmoglaife in the last corset.
0: set. Uh, I would not be surprised. I think it's a good send-off for the corsets. Just, you know, here you go. It's also... I'm sure corset set sales are, have been lagging; otherwise, Wizards wouldn't be getting rid of them. That's a good um, way. So it's a good way to help help the uh, CEOs at Hasbro feel good about the game. Is you know, oh look at this set that just you now sold a million booster packs.
1: Yeah, and I'd actually, boy, that'd be an interesting thought. How would that compare if they put Tarmogoyf in the last corset, I wonder how that would actually compare to the sales of Modern Masters packs. I mean, like. All right, so people yeah, you mean if
0: it wasn't in modern masters again well, uh, well, that's a good point
1: well, no, I just mean that they'd both be on the shelf at the same time. Would you rather crack
0: modern Ooh. masters?
1: yeah, you know what I mean like I know there's a lot of people that are excited about modern masters too um, hmm. and I still you know the cards that I'm seeing of course it's Etch champion and emercole i'm not i'm not I'm not excited about modern masters too um and it's it, you know
0: i mean to be fair we've seen two cards out of modern masters too yeah and i'm, defi- <laughs> I'm, I'm definitely
1: life. i'm definitely in a minority with it
0: mm-hmm. yeah i feel everyone's just excited in general just because of the possibility that exists there yeah yeah it's just uh i don't know i mean i think the first modern
1: masters it was definitely a great set to draft but it was I think I think with the swords really helped like you know in 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 buying the packs it was hard to imagine that there was actually going to be value for me coming back out of the packs um, because yeah. you have to like I think I bought one box because it was absurdly cheap at a store that couldn't move it um, of modern masters? Yeah.
0: And, Get out. I bought one box because it was the only thing I could pu- uh, pry out of the hands of the store that was selling it.
1: No, there was there was a store that was going to sell it and um the thing is, the store is more focused on standard and standard players.
0: Uh, so. <laughs> well, if that event comes around again, you you, you let me know because I will I will take as many as possible. Yeah.
1: Um, yeah, I, I'm, yeah. I just the the first Modern Masters set um, had me more excited because it actually did put more glyphs for Legacy. Mm-hmm. You know, and um, Modern still for me Modern still as a format doesn't excite me. So the Modern Masters sealed. Um, doesn't really do it for me either like they're all and I was talking to somebody the other day I still have this hold up with with modern masters and we were actually both of us were talking about it and part of it was from a conversation we were having last week about serum visions serum visions and sleight of hand
0: oh yeah yeah yeah
1: and uh I was talking to somebody else about what did he have you know we were talking about goblin guide and um mm-hmm. he was saying like there's some cards that he would just like to get rid of as soon as
0: possible because right, because of it, how li- likely they are to be in Modern Masters.
1: Well, how likely they are to be in Modern Masters, but the speculation of the print run size that they're going to do Modern Masters for. Because, you know, Hasbro doesn't have the Chronicles familiarity that Wizards does. And and I was mentioning it before, where it's going to be interesting to watch the, um, the dichotomy between the two.
0: Yeah, exactly. Yeah. You know, because... It's almost like there was the two extremes. Chronicles was one extreme where they're very nervous of going back to, where they just flooded the market and crashed everything. Mm-hmm. And almost, you know, even Mark Rosewater has said that that was the closest Magic has ever come to dying.
1: And that's, you know, this other guy I was talking to has been playing for years and he remembers, you know, back then a lot of people that he knew stopped playing then.
0: Oh yeah, it was, it was, came real close to dying out. And then the most, the last Modern Masters, uh, was I felt the opposite, where it was such a limited print run that it was literally like trying to score crack on the side of the street. It was so hard to get packs of Modern Masters.
1: Well, the, I think, I think what actually also influenced the first Modern Masters run was that they created a new format that increased
0: the demand. Right, if, if things would have been different if Chronicles had introduced uh, a whole new format in and of itself.
1: Right, the demand would have gone up more.
0: Right, and modern did exist before Modern Masters, but Modern Masters is really what pushed it over the edge, and when we started seeing those huge spikes in prices.
1: Um, did modern well? Modern, modern barely existed, but extended existed.
0: Yeah, extended existed, and I mean the price spikes came a little bit before, but Modern Masters is what like pushed it over the top, and you know that's when we started seeing. Uh, you know, $200 Goifs and $70 Vendillion Clicks. Well,
1: we, yeah, and because Modern was a supported format.
0: Right, exactly. And you know,
1: and I don't know about out towards, you know, I know we're both in the same state, but I don't know out by towards where you are. Um around here, it seems like Modern is a supported format, but it's not a heavily played format. You know, like we get a lot of legacy play around here. Yeah. And, and maybe I just don't frequent the stores that do Modern, but I know some of the stores that I go to that do Standard, the guys will sit there and play test Modern. And they may get an 8-man to fire, but it's not like, you know, we, we get, we get, like some weeks we get 30 for legacy. Right. I don't see 30 for modern.
0: Yeah, exactly. And I think it's just because a lot of New England players, if they have the choice between legacy and modern, they'll choose legacy each and every time. The mm-hmm. only people I know that play modern over legacy are people who don't have legacy decks.
1: And who typically would play standard, I think.
0: Right. Yeah, exactly.
1: Yeah. So it's, uh, I don't know, I think it's gonna be interesting to see, but we were talking about some of the cards that, uh, Goblin Guy being one of them, you know, mm-hmm. certain cards that he'd like to just get rid of because he's, he's got quite the collection. Actually, he was, he was, uh, so this little project I got going on where I'm gonna, um, foil up Tin Fence, he gave me a bunch of cards for it. But he also gave me, uh, you know, I went to, so we didn't have Legacy this Sunday, right? Right, yep. So me and the kid next door that I was telling you about does a lot of, uh, casual magic. You know, he's been asking me he wanted to go back down to Ice Imports to do Sealed again. So we went down to Ice Imports to do Sealed. And um, we stopped at my buddy's house where I could pick up a bunch of these uh, foils. And I went down to Ice Imports. Now, they have Doretti in the case. They have Dual Caster Mage in the case. And they have, like, a whole bunch of stuff from the Red Commander deck in the case. Mm -hmm. You know what I can't find in the store? What? Goblin Welder. Really? I can't find Goblin Welders at any store in the area.
0: It's clearly because our podcast has ballooned <laughs> the way, and everyone has been listening to me describe my welding book. People have just been buying up every welder in the area. It's
1: it's really it's really silly. And you know, I went to this guy's house. He gave me a bunch of foils, but he also did give me a goblin welder. Mm -hmm. And and um, he said he's got a couple more for me somewhere. But like like I said, he's got he's going to go through boxes to see if he can find them because he does have quite the collection. But
0: yeah, I think what that is is there's these weird legacy cards that are in like the five to fifteen dollar range, where people have. But they never really sell them to stores because they're only getting, you know, like two fifty to to $7 in, in cash for them. Mm-hmm. And so they're like, well, I mean, it's not even worth it to me to sell. I may want to play this deck in the future. I may as well just hold on to it. Mm-hmm. And so they just sit in trade binders and boxes and never see the light of day. And stores never have them in the case. Sometimes stores get them in and they don't even bother putting them in the case because if they only have a limited s- space, you know, not every store has the display space said, you know, like That's Entertainment does, where they can just have hundreds and hundreds of cards. Mm-hmm. So if they have to pick and choose, they're going to pick and choose the most valuable cards. They're not putting, you know, $5 welders or, uh, you know, $10 caroos or anything like that in the case.
1: Why, is Carew $10?
0: I don't know. I just picked a card out oh, okay, okay. <laughs> Probably not, since I think it was just printed in the Commander deck, too. <laughs> I think uh, it hit $10 at one point. Hmm. Yeah, so...
1: I, I couldn't find Goblin Welders down there. Actually, it was kind of funny because one of the um, I'm not, it's not like I'm terribly known at that store, Ice Imports, because I only go down there every so often. Mm-hmm. But if I go down there on a Legacy night, now my face is familiar because I'm the guy that plays Tin Fins. <laughs> like I went down there, I'm looking in the case, and I'm like, Oh my God, they got to foil children at Corliss, <laughs> <laughs> and one of the other guys is like. Yeah, so, and then the guy that works there, he's like, no, he's a Tin Fins player. <laughs> he's they, like,
0: pu- they put it in the case for you. <laughs> he's like,
1: you want me to pull it out for you? I'm like, no, 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 I'm actually looking at Lion's Eye Diamonds, because um, uh. I still want to pick up some LEDs uh, for a couple of reasons. And it's not so much for Ad nauseum Tendrils, because I don't know how to play that. I never do that right. But it's it's actually that Transformational Sideboard Doomsday Package.
0: Oh yeah, yeah, yeah and, sweet.
1: and a try burning reanimator. Like I've I've done dredge, um, and the epic storm was a blast. Like there's only so many decks lions I diamond goes into, but it goes into more of them than like candelabra or uh what was it you mentioned? Yeah, imperial recruiter.
0: Right. Yeah. Exactly. So, yeah. I feel led is is not a main pillar, but I definitely put it up there with like wasteland and force of will as. Kind of the the pillars of the format. Where if okay. you want to play a certain style of deck, it's very important that you have this card.
1: Yeah, it's definitely. I mean, it's more versatile. It's not as like it's not as versatile. Yeah, not, not as, as force. Will but like
0: right. but I was, sorry, sorry, go ahead. <laughs> I was just going to say, wasteland's probably the most versatile, just because it's colorless and can go in literally any deck. Mm-hmm. Force will just because blue can also go in any legacy deck, mm-hmm. and then probably LED after that, just because it's a very systematic of a lot of the combo decks is having access to leds
1: yeah yeah and um it was but mostly so i ended up i did end up leaving with a fourth doomsday um but anyway so see, so yeah i haven't been able to find goblin welders around and and I, I you know i'm not interested in picking up four commander decks for the cheap card
0: that i want <laughs> Right, yeah. Um I think I only have like three welders too, just because I couldn't bring myself to pay $7 for the Urza's Destiny ones when the Commander ones were like $2 and then I also couldn't bring myself to run three years of Destiny and one Commander Goblin Welder. So now I just have three welders. <laughs> so uh
1: would you like to hear something funny, Jerry? <laughs> sure, go ahead. So this and this is the stuff that like I just can't get away with playing Legacy of T and that's that's quite alright but like it's this my lines of thinking i don't know so me so me and tim we drove down to uh ice Imports to do sealed anyway
0: yeah
1: and on the way back uh you know he's telling me about his his casual deck that he's putting together and he's got multiple copies of the red commander deck now so he's using he wants to use deredi and goblin welder and wormcoil engine
0: mm-hmm.
1: now he mentions um he, he he mentioned wanting to play disciple of the vault yeah. Now, I don't know what Disciple of the Vault is or does. But
0: it is one black for a 1-1 one, one, uh, human that whenever an artifact goes to the graveyard, each opponent loses one life and you gain one life, I want to say.
1: Alright, so then, yeah, so what I gave him was actually better. I'm <laughs> like, because well, I, I, I just looked, I'm like... Well, I don't I'm... know,
0: Disciple of the Vault's pretty awesome. It was, yeah, but... It was the... one of the first casual decks I ever built.
1: Yeah, well, he's, he's doing this thing and I'm like, well, why not just use Disciple of Bolas?
0: What that do?
1: You sacrifice a creature, gain life equal to its power, and draw that many cards? Sound like sacrifice the Worm Coil Engine, gain six, draw six, wilder it back. Uh,
0: cause it, well, Disciple, uh, Disciple of the Vault goes in different decks. Disciple of the Vault was a win condition in, uh, original Mirrodin standard, back when, uh, right around when I first started playing. Okay. Cause it was, you could, uh, sacrifice artifacts to Arcbound Ravager. And just like drain your opponent out. And then the deck that I built was a combo deck with Crack Clan Ironworks. Which was, so this was, this was blocked. You could actually draft this deck, which is how, how insane, uh, this combo was. But mm-hmm. Disciple of the Vault, whenever an artifact goes to the graveyard, your opponents lose one life, you gain one life. Crack Clan Ironworks, sacrifice an artifact, add two mana to your mana pool. Mere Retriever, Cost two, and is a one-one, and says when it goes to the graveyard, return an artifact from your graveyard to your hand. Okay. So with two mirror Retrievers and a clan Ironworks, you just keep sacking them to the Clan Ironworks. They return the other one to your hand, because they're also artifacts. You use the two mana you get off of Crackland Ironworks to play it again. Okay. So that in itself is just a self-contained infinite combo, where you cast infinite creatures... Uh, sack infinite artifacts and the infinite artifacts go to the graveyard. So all you need is Disciple of the Vault in play and you just drain them for infinite gain, infinite life. And this is a draft deck? It could have been. Yeah, it was all in the mirrored in block altogether. So you could do it in draft, you could do it in block, you could do it in standard. It was even good enough where it saw some uh, extended play and I'm, I think there was a version of it in Legacy for a short time where instead of Cracklane ironworks i think it was altar of something but it, it let you sack creatures to add mana and it cost just it just cost less than Cracklane ironworks it was more legacy playable
1: hmm. so okay well I- interestingly enough one of the points to that story was that um i i am now thinking of bad lines of play <laughs> <laughs> Good, even Good. worse like um you know i mentioned disciple of the vault He definitely got excited. He's like, I could draw six and sack the token and get the worm coil back and, uh, and of course it's because I don't really know what Disciple of the Vault did, but, um, you know, and that's not anything, anything that I'm gonna try in Legacy. You know,
0: (laughs) yeah, the deck, I mean, the deck was pretty iffy beforehand just because it was really susceptible to a lot of, you know, susceptible to counter magic, susceptible to removal, susceptible to artifact removal. And so it was already a pretty iffy deck, which is why it was Fringe. And then they printed Abrupt Decay, and it was just, yep, n- n- not even worth playing anymore.
1: Okay. Um, I, I had another little experience this morning, too, where, uh you know, th- there's a Facebook group. Um, there's a Facebook group for a store in the local area. And mm-hmm. one of the guys seems like, an o- it, as far as I understood, it seems to be an older guy with, like, a, a little girl, and uh he's trying to play Legacy, he wants to play some Legacy, and he, he keeps showing up there, and they may or may not get eight people, and sometimes I usually, I haven't met the guy yet, I've been at like other locations or whatever, and uh, I want to go up there, I'll probably go up there and play this Sunday, and uh, hopefully he'll be there, because I wanted to meet him anyway, um, you know, whenever there's somebody that's actually looking to get into the format, I always like to meet people, um, yeah. so he mentioned on the Facebook group trying to do uh, some sort of deck where, because everybody's playing Tower Maglaives or Treasure Cruise or whatever, to do something with uh, Rest in Peace. And the owner of the store kind of flagged me in the comment. Mm-hmm. Somehow it ended up, it was like on a, the owner of the store had put up that he was doing something for a modern deck. This guy responded where he was trying to do something with Rest in Peace because of the Goyf and Treasure Cruise. And, he, so then the owner of the store says, well, you might want to talk to Adrian. And he flags me in the comment because the owner of the store had tried my deck and liked it. Now, my deck was blue-white land still. So it was rest in peace, energy field, and then a lot of do-nothing stuff. Yep. And, and he was actually playing against, um, Josh, Josh's, uh, Grixis deck Faden deck. Mm-hmm. And the, it was a, it was a, it was a funny, it was a funny match. Cause it, like, they were just trying to deck each other. It ended up so silly. But um he liked, the, he liked the rest in peace energy field combo that was in the deck. So when this guy mentioned it, he flagged me in the comment. Well, because the original question had something to do with the modern deck, I was getting emails all day because I was flagged in this modern thread. <laughs> <laughs> and, and so at lunchtime or whatever, I go outside and I'm looking at like, this thread, because I'm getting posted on it, because I was mentioned in like one of the original comments to yeah, it. Yeah, yeah.
0: And
1: I'm like, well, I don't know if this- People has are
0: turning w- to you for modern advice, Adrian, the modern master. <laughs>
1: absolutely not. <laughs> you know, but like, um, the, the thing was like, you know, one of the things, and I, I have absolutely very little idea or interest in modern, but one of the things I found with Legacy is that Rest in Peace does not answer Treasure Cruise. You know, as much as I like to hope it would have, um, Rest in Peace Energy Field is a cute combo, but it does not answer Treasure Cruise, and usually the decks that do Rest in Peace Energy Field do nothing for a long time, and by that point in time, most of the Treasure Cru de- Cruise decks are just content to pay eight. Like, I don't know, I, like, I watch... Well,
0: I I wouldn't go so far as that, because a lot of the Treasure Cruise decks don't even have eight sources of mana in the deck.
1: Uh. Okay, how's this? The one time I actually watched somebody cast Treasure Cruise for eight, they were content to do it because they were in a, they were in a two casting cost board lock and needed to get to engineered explosives anyway.
0: Yeah. It
1: was against the Rest in Peace Miracles deck. And and now he had eight sources of mana. Um, most of them may not, like most of them may actually be planning or
0: I would, I would say close to 80% of Treasure Cruise decks don't have that much mana. Um, the majority of Treasure Cruise decks are Delver decks, and when you f- take out Wasteland, which you should because they don't use it as a source of mana, they only run, you know, three Volcanics or, and uh, three Trops or, you know, four Volcanics and a couple of Basics. They, they just don't have access to that much mana, let alone the ability to draw that much mana.
1: So, Treasure Cruise only becomes useful to pitch to Force of Will. Right. Which is still not the worst.
0: Yeah, uh, I, mean, I mean, it's
1: actually, it's, it's, it, no, it's probably fucking worse. Yeah, <laughs>
0: because, well, I mean, even, even besides that, it's like, you can always put it back with Brainstorm. But the fact is, is they can't treasure cruise. That's your goal. <laughs> um, It's just like Rest in Peace doesn't necessarily answer Tarmogoyz, because you still have a zero one one body on the board, but it's pretty, it's pretty effective at what it does. It may not be a 100% answer, but it's definitely get, gets the job done.
1: Um, okay. Well, so when i've seen people in a position where they have to pay 8 for treasure crews they've been content to do so
0: right yeah exactly because you're drawing 3 cards
1: right now it, it the, of course they they would much rather um ancestral recall but you're in the wrong format for that mm-hmm. you know um so so i mentioned it in this thread and, and it was kind of funny cuz you know we know aaron who plays death and taxes and yes. I just I just kind of put up a quick thing. I'm like, I don't know. Whenever I see somebody actually have to pay eight for Treasure Cruise, they're usually content to. Like, that's just from what I've seen. Of co- like, uh, Of course, they'd rather pay one or three or, you know, manipulate their graveyard in a way that they can in order to, you know, balance the casting cost with the utility. Mm-hmm. Um, but I actually made a quick comment. I'm like, all right, yeah. So from what I've seen, Rest in Peace doesn't answer Treasure Cruise. Um, and it, it may just be... The people that we play with make sure that they have enough sources of mana to cast it, but I, I said, you know, if they have to pay eight, and then I kind of referenced Aaron, I'm like, yes Aaron, nine with Thalia, I know. Yeah. <laughs> so.
0: Yeah, exactly. Well, even with that is, I feel that's just also a, a psychological thing you may have with that, just because, just because you see people be happy, it's like, yeah, I would be happy if I can cast a treasure cruise through a rest in peace too. But what you're not seeing, unless your opponent has the worst poker face in the world, is the frustration they have having dead treasure cruises in hand with a rest in peace on the board.
1: Um well alright, here's here's the exact this is this is one of the exact games i I saw this happen in. And maybe this is a best case men, you know, scenario mentality thing. So Rest in Peace Miracles was playing against um, well, Josh was playing against him with his Patriot deck. And this is the game where Josh got to his last card and killed him for exact amount. Because yeah. he, he was holding a lightning bolt, but he needed to get to an Engineered Explosives. The Miracles deck wasn't going to do anything. Josh just needed to go through his deck a little bit faster. Yeah. Josh, being smart enough to play enough lands to cast Treasure Cruise if he needs to, mm-hmm. um, was able to cast Treasure Cruise for eight and was content to do so because you're not going to float an eight drop on your Miracles deck.
0: Yeah, but that's a cor- that's a corner case way outside. You know, you even said to yourself that he naturally drew down to the last card in his deck.
1: Well, he, he, he brought himself down to the last card in his deck because he needed to have the engineered explosives wipe the board and then double lightning bolt and attack with a start right. forge.
0: No, that's what I'm saying, is like he, he needed that that was the course of the events that led to the game, but that yeah. is not a normal game in any case. Rest no, it's in- not. Rest in peace definitely answers treasure Cruise in the same way that Rest in Peace definitely answers Tarmogoyf.
1: No, I think Spirit of Labyrinth answers Treasure Cruise.
0: Okay, Spirit of Labyrinth also answers Treasure Cruise. But if you're saying that tr- Rest in Peace is not a sideboard answer to Treasure Cruise, that's that's just that's not correct. <laughs> like tre- Rest in Peace is an answer to Treasure Cruise. It's the reason why uh, the Jeff guy Stoneblade decks running uh, Treasure Cruise don't run Rest in Peace in their sideboard, even though it is such a great card uh, for the meta. Okay. Or if they are, they're boarding Treasure Cruises out to bring Rest in Pieces in.
1: Okay. Uh, can I... Let me ask you a question. Alright, so if I'm playing Blue Red Delver... Yeah. Would you actually bring in Rest in Peace because you're afraid of Treasure Cruise?
0: Mm, probably not. Rest in peace is not meant. You know, you don't you don't board in rest in peace specifically for treasure cruise.
1: Right. So you, if rest in, so if rest in peace answers treasure cruise, when would you actually try to answer treasure cruise with a rest in peace?
0: When I also see a tarmogoyf, or I also see. <laughs> that's the thing is like so. You you're,
1: okay, so you're actually just answering the tarmogoyf, not the treasure cruise. Or you're trying, no, you're, I'm, trying I'm to, both. you're trying to answer both and the deathrite shaman.
0: Yeah, the thing is, yeah, the thing is, is like, it needs, to, in order to bring Rest in Peace in, it needs to have enough value as a card in itself. You know, answering Treasure Cruise is definitely good, but I have other ways to answer Treasure Cruise besides the Rest in Peace. Like, if, if it's a choice between boarding in Spell Pierce or Rest in Peace, I'm gonna bring in the Spell Pierce because that's more efficient. Okay. But if it's an answer of, uh, answering Tarmagoif or Deathrite Shaman and Treasure Cruise, I'm boarding in the Rest in Peace because that Spell Pierce doesn't answer the Tarmogoyf as well. It's the same thing as, like, if I have Submerge and Rest in Peace, I'm bringing in the Submerge if all I see is the Tarmogoyf, because Submerge is a more efficient answer to Tarmogoyf than Rest in Peace is. But if I see Treasure Cruise and Tarmogoyf, I'm going to bring the Rest in Peace in because it answers both of those, whereas Submerge only answers the Tarmogoyf.
1: All right, so there's uh, there's certain matchups where... You would say Rest in Peace is worth citing in, but it's not worth bringing in to answer Treasure Cruise.
0: Right. Yeah. You wouldn't do it specifically for Treasure Cruise. It's more of the catch-all that Rest in Peace is answering Treasure Cruise and these other cards. Mm-hmm. I, I thought you were just saying that like, you shouldn't bring in Rest in Peace because your opponent can just play around Rest in Peace. It's not easy to play around a Rest in Peace by any means.
1: No, I'm just saying Rest in Peace doesn't answer Treasure Cruise.
0: But it does. If you if you have a rest in peace in play, you are
1: not casting treasure cruise. Why not? You have to be playing a fast paced deck that can function without a graveyard.
0: Yeah. If if my opponent has a rest in peace in play, ninety nine percent of the time, I am not going to be able to cast a treasure cruise because I'm not going to get to that level of mana. How's
1: this? How's this for a thought? Now, Um, let's let's. All right. So let's think about this. What deck would play rest in peace? uh Shardless Bant maybe? Or no. No, Shardless Bant wouldn't, would they?
0: Uh maybe Miracles definitely would.
1: Okay, so Miracles would, which is a deck designed to make a late game.
0: Yep. So uh, provi-
1: provided I have more than 8 sources of mana in the deck, I'll get the, I'll get to cast Treasure Cruise.
0: No, not necessarily. Why not? Against the Miracles deck? Yeah. Because the, the majority of decks either don't have 8 sources of mana period. Or the probability of them getting eight sources of mana, even against a Miracles deck, is very slim.
1: Well, they don't play Stifle in Miracles. They don't play Wasteland in Miracles, right?
0: It doesn't matter. They're just not going to draw it. You literally have to draw your entire deck to get the eight sources of mana. Look at like just for an example, uh, BBD's uh, blue, white, red Stone Blade deck from the uh, Invitational. Mm-hmm. Counting up his sources of mana, he has eight total. If, and
1: that's yeah, that's because he's, play, he's playing Wasteland.
0: Eighteen land? No, no, not, he's not playing Wasteland. He's playing four Tundra, four Volcanic. From Two, which? From what event? From the Invitational this week.
1: Okay, all right, all right. So yeah, his um, his Patriot deck from the the New Jersey Grand Prix. He yeah. was playing Wasteland.
0: So he's running eight sources? No, he's not running. He's not running Wasteland. No, no,
1: no. He was in New Jersey. I'm saying.
0: Oh, in New Jersey, yes, but th- in the Invitational deck. Mm-hmm. He has eight sources of mana, so yes, he physically could cast a treasure cruise. But is he going to do that if his opponent has a rest in peace out? No, because if at any point he he would literally need to draw his entire deck in order to get those those lands in play consistently.
1: Okay, so he can only. Um, all right, so he would have to. Might get rid of a Rest in Peace and put one card in the graveyard and cast it. Maybe it's not. Uh, he, yeah, would, well, he may. Look, he, he he would have to answer the Treasure Cruise. And again, he's playing a deck. I can And I can't imagine any deck that plays Treasure Cruise not playing Force of Will anyway.
0: No, he is running Force of Will.
1: Yeah, no, I'm trying to think of a deck that plays Treasure Cruise without Force of Will. Because how do you land the Rest in Peace? Like if 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 a he, deck he's if a deck, not deck,
0: running Rest in Peace because he right, cannot right, right. cast the Treasure Cruise through a Rest in Peace.
1: Right. Okay. So I guess. I guess my thinking is, um, if somebody's built their treasure cruise base deck without enough sources of mana, in order where, where they actually are only planning on casting treasure cruise by delving, then they need to have counter backup to protect themselves from a rest in peace and protect their graveyard as that resource. If if somebody's
0: no, I would just board the treasure cruises out you, you got to think about value there it's you know treasure cruise is good but you, you don't want to be diverting it treasure cruise is good but it doesn't win the game on its own it may feel that way cuz you win shortly after casting it But a Treasure Cruise cast is not, I win the game. You still have to have a way to win the game after the fact. So Yeah, I
1: mean, if you you play 56 cards with four Treasure Cruises, you ain't winning shit.
0: (laughs) Yeah, which is is why I'm fine, where if my opponent's boarding in Rest in Peace just to deal with my Treasure Cruise, I'm fine with that, because I boarded my Treasure Cruise out, and now you have a dead enchantment that does nothing. You've effectively skipped your draw step.
1: If that's the only... Yeah, I mean, unless you're playing Tarmogoy, if you said, like you said.
0: Right, exactly, which is why I said is I will only board in a Rest in Peace if it answers more than just the Treasure Cruise in the deck.
1: I will, like... And, because, and
0: so, I, because I know my opponents are just going to board out the Treasure Cruises as soon as they see the Rest in Peace.
1: See, I I personally, just me, I can't think of... Any deck that I play with Rest in Peace, there's a secondary reason why I'm doing it. Like, there's no... Like, for me, there's no... um. I guess what I mean is, if I'm going to play Rest in Peace, I'm probably either going to play Helm of Obedience or Energy Field, or both. Like, th- yeah. to to play it independently on its own doesn't seem it it it's it, it's a terrible way to try to. I think it's a terrible way to try to battle against a blue red Delver deck. Um,
0: right. you well, know, you wouldn't bring it in. I would never bring in Rest in Peace against blue red Delver. No, not unless I'm playing Energy Field. Like, there's, right. no, there's no purpose but, to. But that's, not, that's its own. That's not why Rest in Peace is in sideboards, though. Rest in Peace is in sideboards because it destroys Dredge, it destroys Reanimator, uh, it severely hampers Bug Delver because it takes out Tarmogoyf, Deathrite Shaman, and Treasure Cruise. But are, are you still seeing Rest in Peace in sideboards? Uh, they are still in sideboards, but they have definitely gone down because, like I said, any deck running a Treasure Cruise is not going to be running Rest in Peace, and because everyone's running Rest, uh, Treasure Cruise, very few people are still running Rest in Peace.
1: Yeah, I I think I've been seeing more of the, what's the the hell, Relic of Progenitus?
0: Right, because that way you can target your opponent's graveyard while leaving your graveyard untouched.
1: Yeah, you could take them down to hamper their treasure crews while effectively keeping your own and still bringing in against decks that function on the graveyard
0: completely. Right, and then as soon as you go off with your own treasure crews, that's when you can pop the Relic to reset them too. That way, you're up three cards, which means you're more likely to cast your th- your second Treasure Cruise than they are to cast their first.
1: Yeah, when you pop a Relic, you draw another card, don't you?
0: Exactly. Yeah. So that's why Relic has definitely gone up in its uh, play value.
1: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah, I just, I, I don't, I,
1: I I haven't seen, I haven't seen
0: Rest in Peace
1: as, as an effective answer to Treasure Cruise, and actually, I haven't been, whatever I've been playing lately, I haven't been afraid of Treasure Cruise. I think Bob was right. Um, you know, I I started to take a, a look at the Jeskai Stoneblade deck again. Yeah. You know, and, and from, uh, from the Grand Prix Invitational and apparently BBD in the Invitational, and uh, not the Grand the Grand Prix anyway and, and, um, the recent Invitational, I think Bob was right when he was saying that the, it, it seems like at least for now or at least, and now I can at least see what he was talking about, that the Jeskai Stoneblade deck goes over the top of other Treasure Cruise decks.
0: Yeah, yeah, it definitely does. Um but the other decks are now going over the top of Jeskai Stoneblade. Like Jeskai Stoneblade was at the top of the heap for a relatively short time and it's still near the top, but it hasn't been putting up the same results as it was, you know, right after the dominance of blue red. Mm-hmm. Um you know, like we saw uh control uh combo decks are definitely coming back because combo decks it's very hard for the Jeskai Stoneblade deck to beat combo unless it's built properly because most of the Jeskai Stoneblade decks are running Swords to Plowshares uh, Lightning Bolt mm-hmm. and um, they're kind of going away from the whole uh, counter magic and people are even adapting to try and battle that. Like if you look at BBD's list,
1: mm-hmm.
0: um, he's down to two Swords to Plowshares and is up to three Spell Pierce just because I'm sure like you saw, uh, combo decks are definitely on the rise, and the fair decks are going down a bit. So that's why he shaved swords in order to bring in more spell pierces.
1: Okay, what I what I did see actually, you know what I actually found really interesting when I went down to Ice Imports and I was watching it. I watched Reed Duke play Miracles, mm-hmm. wh- yeah. which which whenever I see and and you know I don't follow, um, I don't follow the SCG circuit like. I don't know, like my life depends on it. Um, but whenever I see Reed Duke play a deck, I've I've seen him play like Pox, or like I, I've seen him play um, some interesting decks that aren't like Miracles seems pretty mainstream to me. And and I'm I'm not knocking anything. Like you know, the guy's a pro, takes a deck to an invitational. There's a reason why. Um,
0: yeah, well,
1: it just seemed like it was. It was odd for me to see Reed Duke play that deck. Like, like, okay, Joe Lissette, yeah, I can see him play Miracles almost every week. I, I just, it's not something I see Reed Duke do.
0: Which is funny because Joe Lissette played Reanimator at the invitation. <laughs> <laughs> um, well, Reed Duke has, he's written about Miracles before, he's played it before, it's not mm-hmm. one of his primary decks, but mm-hmm. it's definitely a deck that he's been relatively known for playing. Okay. It's just, decks like Pox and the like, when you have an Invitational where it's a 16-person tournament with $50,000 on the line, Mm -hmm. no one's bringing a, like... Yeah, (laughs) yeah, exactly. It's, you know, just... It's not worth it, you know? Mm -hmm. You want to just do consistency because you just need to beat the 15 other players in the room to get that prize money. Okay. Which is why, if you look at the Invitational deck list, it's almost like the the who's who of legacy. You can just go down the list and see all the main pillars. You know, you got Sneak and Show. You got... Uh not quite Bug Delver, well, but I do really like Gerard Fa- uh, Fabiano. I can never say his last name. Fabiano, Fabiano. Yeah. yeah, Gerard Fabiano's uh bug control list, which is uh, what the bug list looked like before the printing of Delver, which I really like. Um, you know, Reduke on Miracles, BBD on uh, Blue White Red, Stone Blade, Tom Ross on Infect, obviously, mm-hmm. uh, Elves, Reanimator, Rug Delver, Omnitel. Death and Taxes, Storm, you know, it's all like, kinda like the who's who of, of Legacy. There aren't any out there decks that you've never heard of before. Like, the two weirdest decks I can see on the entire list are probably the Omnitel list, just because that's, I haven't seen that in a while. And then the Grixis Control list that Kevin Jones ran. Which yeah. I love because that's what I've been jamming online all, all day.
1: Yeah, I, I, I there's no, jeez, and, and this looks like what you were talking about except without the Goblin Welder. I mean, uh, well, no, actually, He's no, got true name nemesis.
0: No, yeah. This is this is very different. This is this is the deck I've been playing on Modo. Oh,
1: this um, is um, this is like Eli Cassis deck.
0: Yeah, it's very similar to Eli Cassis' deck from uh from the GP New Jersey.
1: Yeah. Okay.
0: Yep. So yeah, I really like this deck. Hmm. Uh You know, two deck fade in, four young pyromancer, two true name. I don't run two true names in my own version of it, just because I feel it's a little slow for the deck. Uh, two Snapcaster, Baleful Strix, uh, you know, Brainstorm, Force Will, Lightning Bolt, Cabal Therapy, just because Cabal Therapy plus Young Pyromancer is absolutely brutal. Okay. Um, forked Bolt, Gataxian Probe, Ponder, Preordain, One Preordain, Treasure Cruise. I do think the thing he's missing that I love in my version online is Innocent Blood. Innocent Blood versus Young py- with Young Pyromancer is amazing because you either have no creatures on the board and it's just you know a one black target player sacrifices a creature, or okay. you have Young Pyromancer on the board, which is still one black target player sacrifices a creature.
1: Right, you're gonna burp up, get a token anyway.
0: Right, and all the creatures in the deck, other than True Name Nemesis, which I don't really think should be main deck, are all va- value creatures. Even if you cast Young uh, Innocent Blood with a Baleful Strix in play, you still drew a card off the Baleful Strix, so you're not too upset and the snapcaster mage obviously gave you value as well.
1: I I got a question for you. I don't know if you can even answer this for me. Yeah. Now, all right. So I I can understand the value in it, but maybe you can like go in a little deeper on this here.
0: Sabo's web. Yeah, I I was just looking at that. <laughs> yeah. Um I,
1: I know I know Josh pointed it out to me too in his sideboard of what he was playing and he liked it and I was trying to wrap my head around it.
0: Yeah, I think that was a meta call that just didn't pan out. Um, lands, the deck lands, has been really popular in Legacy, and with it being invitational, a lot of these players okay. are very well connected, so they have access to the Tabernacles. Mm-hmm. Um, I think he was just probably expecting the lands deck to be more popular than it was.
1: Because, well, I mean, when I... All right, so Sabo's Web, when Sa- uh, to. Casting cost artifact when Saberweb comes into play, draw a card, lands with activated ability with an activated ability that doesn't produce mana. Don't untap during the controller's untap step. Now I want to see if I can think of all the different interactions that this matters with. Uh, very little would, it, but it, it would actually interact with Mazerith, <coughs> right?
0: Uh, I think that's probably not as common. I, I feel no, like no, no. I'm not. I'm yeah. not talking oh, about okay. common. I'm just yeah. talking about valid.
1: Yeah. So Caracas.
0: Caracas, Karakas, Medivholt. Uh, Mutable, the big ones is it shuts down Infect.
1: It shuts down, da- yep.
0: Very difficult for Infect, cause it shuts down Pendlehaven, Ink Moth Nexus. Yes. Uh, like all, 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 all the, you know, lands in, uh, Infect get hit by that.
1: But also, so, like also Caracas, right? Yep. Uh, Mistress Factory, so any of the, of, like if somebody actually walked in there with a land still deck.
0: Any, any man lands, it hits any man lands, uh, you know, it just, it's the utility lands. Other than, you know, like Cavern of Souls or, uh, you know, uh Gaius Cradle. I wish it hit Gaius Cradle. If it hit Gaius Cradle, I'd probably play it more often.
1: Are there any other lands that I could that you can think of with an activated ability that, any any other lands that fall into that category besides Maze of Ith, Manlands, and Caracas?
0: Mm, I mean the random ones are kind of uh what is it? The deck the Cephalid Coliseum in Dredge, the one that draws cards. If and you. that
1: yeah and that you're not worried about it untapping cuz you're just going to
0: yeah. Oh that's the thing is the majority of the cards it hits you don't even like the big one is wasteland but you don't really care because people always use land once.
1: Right. And that's what I'm that's what I was trying to think of. So I was trying to figure out what would make that card utilizable in a sideboard but like you said you're expecting
0: You're expecting well, well, that's a meta call. Sabo's web is definitely a meta call.
1: Tabernacle that's not an activated ability is it? No, no, that's that's just a, that's just a upkeep.
0: But, Cabernacle doesn't tap for mana anyway, so you don't care that it, uh. That, Whether it's tapped or red yeah.
1: I mean, uh, unless you had, like, what, Erbug? Ur, uh,
0: yeah, Um the other card, oh, I, I just realized another land, but it would never come up, is, uh, Library of Alexandria. Right. And, uh, Bazaar of Baghdad, if you're getting into vintage. Yeah. So, DeSabo's Web sees more play in vintage, just because it, it hits bigger cards than that. Huh. Um, uh, yeah, TaSabo's Web's definitely a meta call expecting Infect, which probably isn't the, you know, it's a 16-person tournament. He knows Tom Ross is going to be there, so he knows Tom Ross is going to be playing Infect. Right. So that could have just been like, this is my sideboard slot for Tom Ross.
1: Hmm. So in in general, maybe, like, what, if you expect Infect or Merfolk?
0: Yeah, Infect, Merfolk, lands. It's a very, very meta-specific card.
1: Hmm. I wonder if it's actually useful against Merfolk. I was just trying to think of like what what other cards because I, you know, somebody was mentioning that card recently, and and seeing it in the Invitational, I just wanted to get some deeper insight on it that maybe you had.
0: Yeah, I mean, I think there's a reason why we only see it in these corner case situations.
1: Hmm. Um, So I'm actually. I am a little bit more curious to see Gerard Fabiano's list only because yeah. from how much I actually did enjoy, uh, Shardless Bug playing Liliana with Jace together is so much fun. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's, I miss it. <laughs> I yeah. miss it. And I'm not, I'm not a Delver fan.
0: Yep, yeah, exactly. I, I was really happy to see this version of the deck because this is pretty similar. Um, you know, it, it's, it's, Different in the creature base is in you know like Deathrite Shaman and True Name Nemesis those weren't there before but uh, prior to the printing of Delver's Secrets this this is kind of what the bug that what they were called Team America decks uh, looked like uh, you know more control centric not so much as a as a tempo deck as you know Bug Delver is today.
1: You know what I actually do like about it though, and because I was thinking about this recently, um, in playing with the deck, you know getting the Dak Faden's and trying to put a deck together, I was actually thinking about doing, like, a artifact-based Dak deck Faden deck using Top and Counterbalance. And mm-hmm. I uh, And I like, I like this uh, bug list where he's actually got Counterbalance in it with Top.
0: Yeah. Yeah, you haven't seen that in a very long time, which is very cool. Um, you know, Bob was... I was talking with Bob uh, not too long ago how, um, you know, Counterbalance is very good. I think that's one of the reasons why Miracles is doing so well is because Counterbalance is really well-positioned right now. Everyone's running one, one drops to power out treasure cruises, which makes counterbalance great.
1: Oh, I, I didn't even think of that.
0: Yeah. Oh yeah. That's, that's one of the reasons why miracles is top dog or not top dog, but one of the best decks in the format is mm-hmm. everyone's running one drops. Mm-hmm. It's also why chalice of the void spiked up to fifteen dollars.
1: <laughs> so are you ex, now that was in modern masters one. Are you expecting to see that again in modern masters two?
0: Um, I wouldn't. I mean, I, I wouldn't be surprised either way. It's one of those cards... So they, they had the the printings down from Modern Masters 2 prior to the spike, so it's not like one of those cards where they would reprint it because of the price value, but it's right. also one of those cards that's such a staple that I wouldn't be surprised if they threw it in there as a give me. Hmm. Especially since it looks like there's going to be an artifacts theme in the new set, and it's one of those artifacts that's good enough that people want more access to it, but isn't going to, like, destroy the draft format if you throw it in there.
1: So, all right, I don't want to go... Well, I suppose we could go a little bit on the speculation of Modern Masters. Um, you expect uh, Mox Opal?
0: Yeah, yeah, definitely. 100%.
1: Okay. Do you think that they're going to reprint anything in Modern Masters 2 that, the, that they've already printed in Modern Masters 1? Do you think they would, like, re, you know, duplicate up again?
0: Yeah, I think they really have to. I mean, look, looking at Crypto Command, Vendillion Click, um, uh, Dark Confidant, they, they they have to if they want Modern to succeed. Really? Yeah. Unless they're planning on just reprinting them somewhere else, I'd be very surprised if they don't have some reprints. I wouldn't be surprised if Tarmogoyf isn't in there, if it is, in fact, in the core set.
1: All right, so when did you start playing? Back in Onslaught?
0: Yeah, uh first tournament I ever went to was the Legion's pre-release
1: all right, so you don't actually re. All right, so you don't remember like the actual Chronicles debacle.
0: No, way before my time.
1: Okay, um, like I guess not not my my fear out of it, but it. So, my I guess what I'm curious to see is if they reprint modern. Like, let's let's say everybody wants Tarmogoyf, for Confidant, Click, right? So they yeah. reprint Modern Masters too. So now they increase the supply on those cards. And Modern begins to get less support. Then those cards take such a hit that it, it trickles o- over to anybody, really anybody outside of Standard. Right? Mm-hmm. Um, and that... Like, I think besides the overprinting, it's it's the deflation of your hobby that made people walk away from the game to begin with. Back in yeah. Chronicles...
0: Yeah, but at the same time you have to strike a careful balance because just as deflation is going to ruin the value, crazy inflation is also going to ruin the value. And I feel right now we're closer to crazy inflation than crazy deflation. We have a lot more buffer room on the back end than we do as far as, you know, like these staples getting so much more expensive. Like I work a full-time job, you know, a pretty well job and a pretty good job and I still feel the pressure as far as buying cards. I can't imagine how, you know, like high schoolers or middle schoolers or you know, when I first started playing, if if prices were what they are now, when I first started playing, I don't know if I would be in the game to the extent that I am now. Um it, it, it's very difficult for people not working full time jobs to afford these prices.
1: Sure, valid
0: point. Yeah. And and not even just with modern and, and legacy, but even standard. Uh um, when I when I first started playing, like the cap for a standard card was like twenty dollars. And when we see these like crazy expensive cards in, in uh in uh standard, like, you know, what was what was the the green white stag thing that hit like forty dollars? You know, you know that average... is
1: not fleece Mainline.
0: No, yeah. no, this was uh, it was like whenever your opponent casts a spell, they on on your turn you put a token into play that's
1: No, that's probably before my time. It was it was in, <laughs> it, was in it
0: was in Ravnica. Um The original Ravnica? No, no, the Ravnica that just came out. Return of Ravnica. Yeah, it was like one of the hottest cards in Standard.
1: Oh, Voice of Resurgence.
0: Yeah, Voice of Resurgence. Yeah, so like a card like that, seeing being printed in uh... It, it, back when I first started playing, like that—that would have been—that would have blown my mind to see print prices like that.
1: Sure, and like I, I flash right back to sixty solid Bonfire of the Damned.
0: Yeah. Oh yes. Yeah, Bonfire of the Damned's is even better example.
1: I mean, it, it's uh Bonfire. Well, I think. Yeah, right, right. Yeah. Uh Voice of Resurgence, I think it was forty at one point anyway. I don't know if it ever made it up to sixty. But the um
0: But Bonfire did, and yeah, that that was a big thing. So imagine telling like a, a high school kid that he has to drop two hundred and forty dollars for four cards out of his deck.
1: Well what you do is you end up telling the high school kid's parent that they need <laughs> to shell out that money.
0: Yeah. And, so, and, like,
1: and it's it's one of the things with um it's one of the things that I Feel like I find interesting, a- and I guess I guess I'm delusional. Um, you know, there was if is, is does the cost of a deck. I guess the cost of the deck must, in some sense, um, determine like viability of the deck. Like like burn burn is a decent deck at certain times. It's and it's cheap to make compared to say lands, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and every so the, the kid next door was talking about um. I told him I probably Michael play Legacy next week. We were talking about the Legacy event coming up in Worcester, and that it's a SCG two day. And he was thinking about putting together a Legacy deck to go do the SCG event. And now my my first thought to him is like, if you want to all right. So if you want to throw together Belcher, you got to get LEDs, right? Maybe that's the other deck that uses LEDs. Um, but I was, like, I could hand him Tin Fins. You know, that's a deck that's without Force of Will. It's Because Force of Will seems to be the dividing line as far as, it, like, I don't, I don't, and this is, again, I'm, I'm probably in the minority and just wrong, I don't know, but I don't find Force of Will to be a good card. I find Force of Will to be a necessary evil. Yeah, we we won't go down that, but, but yeah. Okay. <laughs> All right, yeah.
0: Okay. I see what you're saying. Yes. Force will is definitely a necessary evil. It, it's
1: a necessary evil to make sure that I don't lose to Belcher. It's a necessary evil to make sure that if I need to stop something early, I can.
0: Yes. But
1: as far as being a good card, if I have to force a will, your thought sees, I better be protecting something damn good.
0: Okay. Like, yes. Yeah. You're correct. You're correct in that. In the strictest sense of you know what makes a good magic, card, yeah. As far as you know, like card advantage, all the uh, as far as magic theory goes, force of will should be a bad card, but is not. It's a very good card because of real life. <laughs>
1: It's 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 I yeah so I find it to be a necessary evil.
0: Right. Exactly. Yes.
1: Um. So that being said, so if somebody and this is this was the odd thing to see for like, you know, some of the guys that I knew that were going down to the Grand Prix that never that don't play Legacy but they were going (laughs) to play Legacy at the Grand Prix. So they're like getting their Force of Wills and putting together their deck and and like there's certain matchups that you just side like that you'd want to side out Force of Will. Yeah. Definitely. And, and without, and, and I am not as extently familiar with what those matchups are where I want to be siding out Forza Will. You know, but there's certain matchups where I just want to side out Forza Will. Um now, if I'm even less familiar with the format, I really have no idea what those matchups are. You know what I mean?
0: Okay. Um,
1: I'm trying to think of an example now where I side out Force of Will.
0: <laughs> I mean, you, you side out Force Will against, you know, the, the Rug Delver Mirror match. Any any deck where all of their threats are of equal threat to you, you don't really want Force Will because you don't want to be trading two cards nice for one. one of their cards that they can easily replace with any other card of their deck. Right. But decks like Miracles, where they only have a few big things that you need to worry about, namely Entreat the Angels and Jace. You leave Force of Will in because you just need to get rid of those, you know, bombs. If you can fight over those specific cards, you win the game by default because they no longer have a way to kill you. Right. And then I, obviously there's the combo decks where you keep in force of will because if you don't you die.
1: Right, because if they resolve the dark ritual, they just entombed the mentioned. Exactly. So it's it's so I I I find it to be a necessary evil where what's what's what I think is funny is every time um Somebody's—it's—it's it's, it's so weird. This, um, I find it strange and almost fascinating that there's this—I I don't know—I keep using this word again, but this—well, uh, th- these alternate schools of thought um, from like some of the guys that I'll talk to that play standard—they're like, you know, Force of Will such a good card, and I'm like, no, not really. It's just a necessary evil, and they're like, but at the same time, they seem to think Legacy is a turn one format. And I'm like, how's how it a turn one format if you're playing Force of Will? <laughs> like, it's, it doesn't. It's, it's so weird because those two statements, yeah, they, they can't naturally agree with each other.
0: I, I feel based on your opinion, of Force Will is a very good indicator with how familiar and how skilled you are with the Legacy format. Because there are the you know the very basic level people who look at Force Will and think it's it's terrible. It's a five minute counter spell. Why would you ever play that?
1: Well, I don't people, think anybody ever thinks about it like that. I, I mean,
0: new players who are new to the game think that.
1: Okay, maybe. And
0: then once you see the power force will, you get into this mindset where you're like, oh, this is the best card ever. It should go in every deck ever made.
1: Right. It's a free counterspell, but yeah. it's not.
0: And then there are the players even more advanced than that who are like, okay, it's not as good as I think I thought it was. There are certain times where I don't want it. So I'm going to side them all out. Even um, anytime I play a fair deck, anytime I play a deck that doesn't kill me on turn one, I'm going to side my force wills out. Then on top of that, you get to the level where you're like, okay, even against some fair decks, aka miracles, I still want to keep the Force of Will because it's actually very important in the matchup.
1: Yeah, well, you have like a certain level of we need to match control aspects.
0: Right, exactly. So it it is definitely a, a very skill testing card in that respect. Sure,
1: sure. Um, so I, I don't um, I don't default to the idea that the card's great. I just default to the idea that it's a necessary evil. You know, yeah. And, and it's just where I'm still at. You know, I haven't, um, I think there were some games, like, for example, there were games where I was playing Shardless Bug. That, that's a deck where I would actually cite out Force of Wills in certain matchups because f- for the most part, I'm bumping up hand, hand disruption anyway. Right. So it, if I don't need to worry so much about countering something, because like, um, oh, perfect example. Shardless Bug against Burn. Just oh, take, yeah. take the force of will out.
0: Yeah, exactly.
1: Exactly. <laughs> um there's certain times where Burns actually a good example of of a deck I just want I'd rather have spell pierce. You know, it like um right. especially if anybody's gonna float three mana and fire what, fire blast me and flash in a dual caster mage. Yeah.
0: I mean, that's <laughs> the only time you ever want a force will and you don't that, I mean if that's what you're worried about you got you have other problems. <laughs> right,
1: right, right. So so yeah, so he was talking about trying to get a legacy deck together maybe for for May, and um, and you know my thought is, now I I like to go play down at T and stuff, and it's ten dollar entry, um, which is, it's it's okay like once a week, but when it comes to like an SCG event,
0: mm-hmm.
1: I don't know if I'd pay forty if I was completely like I I wouldn't go down there and pay forty to play standard. Like, I'm, I'm raw, naked, and stupid in a standard format.
0: Right. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, I I feel the same way. It's very difficult to pony up $40, $50 uh, and play a deck that you know is subpar.
1: Yeah, so, you know, this guy next door, he's kind of he lost his job a little while ago, and he's ta- he's talking about putting together a legacy deck to go to there, and I'm thinking, like... F- and so my first words to him is, well, Force of Will's your dividing line. You're either going to play a deck with Force of Will or a deck without Force of Will. And if you're going to play a deck without Force of Will... Uh, then you got to try to think, of like, are, are you playing a faster combo deck? Because what's the reason to not play Force Will? Are you going to lose to the fast combo deck?
0: Yeah, the only reason not to play combo, uh, Force Will is if you're playing a super-fast combo deck or you're not playing blue.
1: Okay, Death and Taxes, sure.
0: Yeah, Death and good Taxes, example. Maverick, Elves, any, any of these decks that just don't play blue. Mm-hmm. It's just, if you're going to play blue, you pretty much need to have access to Force Will.
1: That's a good point. That's a good point. I was thinking I could probably... Uh, you know, hand them. I was thinking I could hand them ten fins to play, but now that you mention it, I forgot about elves. I could hand them elves to play, or I could hand them Patriots bleed to play, and I could play elves. Or, you know, I, I mean, at the same time, this is like three months away, so I'll wait and see what the games look like when it gets closer.
0: Right, and even the thing is, like you mentioned, I don't even feel Force Will's the biggest barrier to entry in Legacy. It the biggest barrier to entry is just the the mana bases. Duel yeah, acts.
1: financially. Yeah, financially. So I mean, like, like, well, my my thing is like your first barrier, like. Okay, so for me, getting getting into legacy, right? My first barrier to entry is Force of Will. So, like, I my my right, my, my there's, no,
0: there's no alternative to Force of Will. Like, if you have to, you can play Shocklands over Dual Lands. It's not ideal, but at least there's an alternative. Force of Will, there just isn't any. Like, Misdirection is a poor excuse. I don't,
1: I don't even know that. Uh, well, I, I mean, my path was more like uh, Force of Will into Murfolk. Now, Wastelands and Force of Will into Bug. You know what I mean? Like, like the, the the cards that I pick up can transition into other decks along the way. You know, and, uh, elves being like elves is one of those decks where once you get into elf deck, those cards don't go in another deck. Like what? Right. Okay, you could use Glyphs of Nature and Charios, but what, for whatever reason you'd want to do that. You know, like the, there's no.
0: Yeah, it's it's very linear, but. I, I feel in order for legacy to grow, in order for, for the format to get the more players who aren't entrenched in it already, is they really need to correct the mana base, because if you have access to the mana base, you know, you can save up that, you know, $70 for a Force of Will. It's a lot harder saving up that $350 for an Underground Sea, and who knows where those prices are gonna be a year from now. What I've noticed is the lands keep going up in price, whereas the other staples stay relatively, you know, uh, stable. They may go up a little bit over time, but not to the same extent that the lands are going up. Like Force of went from, you know, 50 to 90 down, back down to 70 in the same time that Underground Sea went from 100 to $350. Mm-hmm.
1: Let me, let me, let me ask you a
0: question here.
1: Uh, and of course R&D doesn't bother with uh, eternal formats, right? I think they're pretty clear on that. Mm-hmm. Do you think there's actually a potential, uh, I can't think of any other way to put this, but do you think there's a potential for in design space to make, um, versatile mana bases less desired as far as like devotion, for example, um,
0: no because it's just mana is uh, is like it's the building block of magic like one of what yeah. defines magic as a game is its mana system it's very unique to the game and when people you know make games that copy magic mana is one of the first things that they copy mm-hmm. so you know we were joking around in, in the intro to, sh- intro to the show but I'm completely serious i feel one of the answers to the problems is printing snow covered dual lands Um, You know, you can you can you it basically fixes all problems that I'm concerned with. You know, it'll lower the price, or not so much lower the price as be an alternative that players can use in Legacy that they don't have to you know have the detriment that Shocklands do. So they're still just as competitive. You know, you make them in the new border, and even if you want to go to the next level, you know, make it white bordered and have ugly art so that the collectors don't mind. So it's not going to, you know, tank the value of the old dual lands. It's not going to affect the meta at all because no decks want to run 8 of the same dual land. Most decks... Why not? ...are running 3. Look at any legacy deck and tell me any legacy deck that would want to run 8 of a dual land. Most decks don't even run 4 of a dual land. The man- your mana bases are so constricted that you just don't have room. You know, you're running 18 to 22 lands depending on the deck and between fetch lands... Basics to hedge against Blood Moon, Wasteland, Utility lands like uh, you know Mutavault or Ancient uh, Tomb or City of Traders or Gaia's Cradles or anything like that. You just don't have room to run eight of the same land. <laughs> <laughs> name, I, 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 <sighs> name any deck that would run eight of a dual lands. Uh,
1: I would have to think of a deck that I'd play it
0: first. It doesn't exist. I it's it's challenging to find a deck that well, runs four of the same dual lands. I think I'd probably all
1: right. Let's say I did this. Um, in Shardless Bug, I would run extra Underground Seas over Bayous.
0: No, because they don't even run four Underground Seas
1: in Shardless Bug.
0: Yeah, they don't run four. Under, look at all right.
1: Well, so, what's the you- last time you seen a Shardless Bug deck though? I think I ran four. Didn't I? I'm pretty I, sure I did.
0: I mean, it's it. You look at look at so look at gerard Gerard's list.
1: Uh, okay, well that's three, not Charles bug. But it's yeah.
0: not Charles bug, but it's close. Three underground sea, true tropicals. So not even running four there. Uh, yeah. Let, let's well, he's look,
1: running ten fetches.
0: Let's look at miracles, which is a blue white deck. Miracles, a blue white deck, is running three tundra. It's not even running four tundra in that case.
1: Okay.
0: Uh, Let's see, the only decks that are even running four and wouldn't run four in the future, uh, wouldn't run more than four, uh, Reanimator is running four Underground Seas. I don't see Reanimator cutting one of their other spell cards in order to play that, and in order to play more, uh, Underground Seas, cause keep in mind you have to cut other cards. You're not playing you, fetch lands.
1: So, I, alright, I, I gotta, I gotta tell you. Real, real serious here, Jerry. I can't believe we're having a conversation on snow covered
0: dual lands. <laughs> Dude, it's literally I fi- name a problem with snow covered dual lands. I feel it would fix any problem. Gets her on the reserve list.
1: All right, let me, it's not let gonna me shift the meta. Let me, let, me, don't mind. let me ask you a theoretical question into magical Christmas land here for a minute.
0: Sure. Uh
1: if you have a snow covered underground sea in your reanimator deck. Yes. Um now Let's say you're running two Underground Seas and two Snow-Covered Underground Seas. Yep. And I Wasteland you and then Surgical your Underground Sea.
0: I would be fine with that because... Because no you'd
1: still have two Snow-Covered Underground Seas?
0: Yeah, but the thing is, so, no one does Wasteland Surgical anymore anyways. That's, that hasn't been a play for a long time.
1: Right, I still like it. Okay. That was a good play. I mean, you're well, no, no. that to me now. I'm not I'm not, I'm not <laughs> disagreeing with you. I'm a nobody.
0: <laughs> no, I'm not. saying that. I'm just saying it's like that that's not a valid play anymore. That's that's, you know, if you what? show that play, you know, to people, they'll be like, "Okay, that's cute, but if that's your way of beating that deck, you are going to lose that match 9 times out of 10."
1: Well, let's 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 see. All right, Patriot Stoneblade. Okay. Waste your time, to surgical it. Can you cast a Stoneforge Mystic?
0: No, but I'll beat you down with Delver, True Name, uh, True Name Nemesis, and uh, Lightning Bolt you to death.
1: Yeah, you gotta hope so.
0: That's not too hard.
1: You can't swords my You can't swords my threat on the board. You can't swords my True Name.
0: Yeah, but you're down two cards, and you hindered me. You didn't stop me. You no, are, I, you have card disadvantage now. To not really affect me I mean, you affect me, but it's not Backbreaking, and then if I Have any diversification in my Mana base, that doesn't matter, if I'm running Up planes, I'm fine with that I just fetch up my planes and okay. cast Stoneforge Mystic
1: Okay, uh, let me Now that you mention it and it, it, This is kind of funny, because I actually haven't done Wasteland Surgical in some time <laughs>
0: Yeah, like, there's, <laughs> a reason, there's a reason No one does that. Is because it's not a Good play
1: Now, let me... So, under uh, Brian Bronduin's Jeskai Stoneblade deck,
0: Mm -hmm.
1: I don't see a Planes. Okay. So, he actually can't cast it.
0: And how many copies of Surgical Extraction do you see in any deck?
1: Sure, I'm not saying anybody else would do it. But I guess what I'm saying is, put me up against Brian Brown uh, doing with my Merfolk deck with Surgical, and I beat him every time. <laughs> I mean, this, does, this shit doesn't happen.
0: <laughs> I even that it's like it's like even if you take him off a of color, it's a three color deck. He still has two other colors to work with. Uh, yes. I mean, the only 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 time I could see Wasteland Surgical Extraction being a good play is a, against Cloudpost. Because you take them you take them off, you know, their game plan. Against any other deck, shutting them off of a color isn't that good. I mean otherwise why is why is Reanimator cut Iona? Very few right Reanimator decks run Iona anymore because taking a deck off a specific color is good, but it's not great.
1: (laughs) You just you just flashed me back, Jerry. Yeah. Yeah. Wasteland Surgical, it was actually Cloud Post was the last deck that I did that to. Yeah. Exactly. That that was was probably six months ago.
0: (laughs) Yeah. It's like it's the only deck you would want to do that against.
1: But it's so funny when you do it. Yeah. Like, I think, I think that's actually what happened is I was playing Merfolk against somebody playing Twelve Post and it wasn't, uh, it wasn't who, who you would expect them normally playing Twelve Post against. Um, but it was, uh, somebody from another area and, and I, was playing merfolk i wastelanded the cloud post i surgical it out of the deck and then i held Flusterstone for the show and tell and i just beat him with merfolk loads. yeah
0: well that was a, th- what i was going to say is even against that deck it's not that great either because the last time i did it i did wasteland surgical and he goes okay show and tell put emerald into play and i lost that game
1: yeah merfolk so even the fun.
0: best best possible situation where i got the combo off against the best deck to get it off i still lost that game so and what
1: were you playing? What was the deck you were playing?
0: I was playing I I was playing uh uh bug uh, walkers at the time.
1: Okay. Yeah. I was I was just wondering cuz uh like that is uh, that's something that I have done um frequently in Murfolk and I think mostly it's because I have a tendency to keep surgical in Merfolk um because I yeah. seem to be more afraid of graveyard decks when I'm playing Murfolk. I don't have much graveyard interaction.
0: Yeah, I feel just surgical value as a card has gone way down since the printing of treasure cruise.
1: Well sure, but I guess, I guess my thing is like, when I'm playing merfolk, uh, dredge decks make me more nervous.
0: Yeah, but I would rather any other graveyard hate against dredge than surgical. Like, surgical's not very good against dredge just because they have so many other ways to kill you. It's like, sure, you get their bridge from below's they just kill you with Golgari Grave uh, Trolls it's, and uh, re- it, re- reanimating them.
1: No, I'd, I'd much rather have a Grafdigger's Cage. It's, it's um... It's besides, what else is, like, um...
0: I would think Reanimator is the only Graveyard-based deck that Surgical's good against, and even then, Grafdigger's Cage is just better.
1: Uh, Surgical is not... I don't, I don't like Surgical against Reanimator.
0: Actually, Ex- um, Ex- Ex- Tinfins. It- Tinfins is the only deck that I would rather have a Surgical over any other card. Um, surgical doesn't scare me with tin fins. Well, it's you hold the surgical back to use that instant speed to, in response to your instant, instant speed cards.
1: Right, but tin fins like I don't fear a surgical. I don't fear surgical and tin fins because I play probe. You know, so like I know the surgical is there. I have two instant speed answers that go over the probe anyway. I mean, over the surgical anyway. Yeah. And, be- and besides, besides that, I have the ability to make you discard it. Surgical doesn't really make it doesn't. What actually scares me out of ten fins is extirpate. Extirpate's different.
0: Yeah, with the, the is split a second split second, it's just
1: ridiculous. I can't. Or if if I'm if I'm really caught off guard and I let your crop rotate, uh, resolve.
0: Yeah, uh, but it, but you bog. But that's, that's
1: that's 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 freaky. But um, so those are like some so so corner case plays anyway from a corner case deck. But the. Um, where the hell were we a second ago? Oh, the reason, so my, I guess my reasoning in merfolk is if I need extra, you know, the thing with dredge is that they don't cast spells. So like, half the time my counter spells end up useless.
0: No, oh, against manless dredge? Regular dredge cast spells all the time. Forces- they cast-
1: they cast some spells. They barely no, barely cast spells.
0: Force of will is one of the best cards you can have against regular dredge.
1: Sure, for the LED, for the fa- you know, if you wanted to for the faithful yeah, looting.
0: That's, that's the thing is like if you counter spells are great against dredge because if you can deal with the counter spell with the uh, faithful looting, the LED, the the, break, the breakthrough, the dread return. If you can deal with those, they can't win the game. So that's why sure. counter spells are one of the best things you can have against dredge, which is very counterintuitive to, get to anyone who isn't used to that matchup.
1: Right. Um and th- so it feels like surgical extraction is an extra counterspell against that deck.
0: Yeah, if you want to look at it that way, but it's it's kind of the same way that uh you know mental misstep would be good in that situation. It's just a free counterspell. Now the
1: th- th- here's oh God, I got I- a besides the fact that most of my points are invalid. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry. No, 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 no. no, no, no. down. No, 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 I'm just no, but like as a little enlightenment thing, I started playing just after Mental Misstep was banned. What? I I started playing Legacy just after Mental Misstep was banned.
0: Oh yeah, exactly.
1: You know, it's it's um
0: You didn't miss much. <laughs> no, I, no, as
1: far as I heard everybody was complaining cuz every deck including elves ran Mental Misstep. Yeah, exactly the uh the other thing that was kind of it's it's weird cuz actually you know I was talking to somebody the other day I don't even know how the hell this came up maybe it was me and you or maybe it was no I think it was me and Tim um I started playing when Mental Misstep was banned and I started really getting interested in it when l- Land Tax became unbanned
0: Oh yeah yeah I I totally forgot that Land Tax became unbanned I think that was was that last year
1: uh it was during Innistrad
0: during Innistrad okay
1: Yeah, I think it was actually the release of Innistrad that actually unbanned Land Tax. Mm -hmm. And then I get all excited and let me see what I can, you know, mess around with this and, boy, this is a terrible thing to do, but (laughs) you know, like, there's uh, I I do still like that Painter Servant deck. There's, um... What the hell else was the Land Tax deck? There was another one that was, uh...
0: Uh, what was it? Curse scroll, not curse scroll. Uh, scroll rack. Scroll rack was the first really big innovation with land because.
1: No, yeah, land tax scroll scroll rack is. But I'm ta- I'm talking about a specific deck. Um, Quinn the Mighty Eskimo. Wait, what? <laughs> it's a land tax
0: deck. Go on,
1: Quinn the Mighty Eskimo. It's named after a Bob Dylan song. Okay. And it uses like scrying sheets and snow covered planes. Okay. It's 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 a. It's an interesting deck. It's, it's, it's really, um, you know, cause one, like, a lot of times when I use land tax, it's like a white control deck. It's not, it's, it's obviously not as good as Stacks. Um, but it does like, uh, like, I'll do it with Isochron Scepter with Aurum's Chant. And, mm-hmm. and like, that's, I think that's one of the things that, that comes from Quinn the Mighty Eskimo. You know what?
0: Yeah, I see it. I'm looking over it now.
1: Okay, so yeah, so it uses, like, Isochron Scepter, Orm's Chant, Abayance, Pain of Servant, Grindstone, <laughs> like we were talking about last week. Yep. Uh Scrying Sheets and Snow-Covered Plains. So Tax will get you Snow-Covered Plains. Scrying Sheets will draw you the extra card, because it's a Plains on top. You know, you can scroll rack, and so you get extra card advantage with it. Right. It's, it's, um, it's a cute little, it's almost like a prison, well, yeah, it's, I guess you call it a prison deck. Three copies of Karakas. It's obviously not as uh, mainstream, as Death and Taxes. Right. Which, which is interesting, because the way it works, like, against the Death and Taxes deck, you, like, bring in your creature removal. This isn't a creature-based deck.
0: Right. It looks like it's just a, a way more controly version of Death and Taxes. It has a lot of the same elements as Death and Taxes, but instead of going with, uh, you know, a, a hate bear type build that Death and Taxes does, it goes yeah. for much more of the traditional... Old school control decks where it's all artifacts and enchantments controlling the game.
1: Yeah, and this is like this is like a a uh, of course an older list of it too. Um, but like when they unbanned land tax, one of the things this is snow parfait. I started looking back at the old parfait builds, which which is just similar to this. So I'd, I'd use like isochron scepter or Orm's chant. Um, humility has always been good, and that's one of the things that I actually didn't mention last week when I was telling you about the land tax painter servant deck, is that I always play humility with it too. So it actually you know the funny thing about that is when when we were talking about it last week, um, that deck. Even though I play Circle Red, Young Pyromancer can be ugly because they get more tokens than I do. But if I know it's a Young Pyromancer deck, I tutor up a humility faster. You know, so it, it so now they're not going to get as many tokens, and eventually with land tax, I'll be able to Circle Red anything anyway.
0: So right, anyway, right.
1: Not, not that not that like Pain a servant land tax is a good matchup to fucking blue red Delver, <laughs> but. Um, so, yeah, Quinn the Mighty Eskinaw. You, know, you never heard of this deck
0: before? No, nah, the first time seeing this deck, pretty interesting, though. Um, yes,
1: like when they started to unban land tax, I started to look into different decks that used it. And this deck actually, yeah, so the first page here doesn't actually have land tax in it.
0: <laughs> yeah, I don't think it was unbanned at this point, because it looks like this version of the list came out in 2007.
1: Yeah, so that's definitely before land tax was unbanned. <laughs> um, so, but once they unbanned land tax, people started talking about going back to Quinn and, like, maybe it would actually fit in there with the scrying sheets and the snow-covered plains.
0: Right, yeah. I can definitely see that. I've never seen scrying sheets before. That's pretty interesting.
1: Yeah, that's a weird card. I think... I think the only other... You know what I've seen scrying sheets in in modern? Uh, Scrud.
0: What... Oh yeah, because you can put on the snow-covered lands and snow-covered like
1: mountains, and yeah, and it works for like cough and like all that, whatever the heck that Scred deck does. But yeah. Scred is it Scred? Maybe it's Scred. Maybe that's what they call it.
0: Ah, oh, that would make sense. Red snow-covered red, snow
1: red. Yeah. So it's um. So yeah, that's the only thing that I've actually seen Scrying sheets in play in is that Modern deck. But <laughs> that and Quinn the Mighty Eskimo.
0: <laughs> yeah, and then once they print snow-covered dual lands, which they'll have to eventually, it'll make crying sheets a whole lot better.
1: <laughs> uh, so, printing snow-covered dual lands or banning dual lands, I guess?
0: I can only see two out- well, alright, I guess three outcomes, but I don't want to think about the third option. Of, What's the third? Of the future, well, Legacy just dies. Nah. So, option one is they get rid of the reserve lists and they reprint dual lands. Option two is they work around the reserve list and they print snow-covered dual lands. Option three is eventually it gets to the point where dual lands are $1,000 a piece because they've just been lost, destroyed, bought up for cubes and commander and collections to the point where they're just not available anymore. And I don't, I don't like to think about that third option. So that's why I hold out hopes of them either, either getting rid of the reserved list and reprinting dual lands or, uh, just printing snow covered dual lands. And I really hope they do it sooner rather than later because the more expensive dual lands get, the more it's going to hurt for the people that aren't, that already have them when they do reprint them. I'm okay with them reprinting dual lands because I got my dual lands for, you know, 25 $50 other than the most recent ones. But, just this week I bought a black bordered tundra and I'm oh, right geez. here Yeah, I know. I know. What language? Uh Italian. Not beta. I got uh, I got an Italian black border tundra. Uh that's entertainment had a twenty percent off deal. Uh,
1: so man.
0: I'm just like, <laughs> oh man, twenty percent off is a lot.
1: Let, let me let me ask you, Mr. Fight Club, did you end up ordering the chains of Methistophis?
0: Oh, I did. I, did. <laughs> I have it. It came yesterday. <laughs> Uh yeah yeah that was an expensive expensive month for my credit card between Christmas Black Border Tundra <laughs> chance enough to stop Iglies.
1: between Christmas but for everybody else I hope Christmas I hope myself.
0: Wizard is listening because I just dropped serious money on a Black Border Duel land and here I am you know begging them to reprint Duel lands I'm gonna I would lose so much money on that but I don't care because I care more about this format. I care more about this format than the financial ruin that will be visited upon me.
1: <laughs> <laughs> oh boy, um, jeez. So, so you think they're gonna reprint Snow Covered dual Lands in the last core set?
0: Uh, I don't. I hope so. <laughs> I, that's the other thing. Is like, there's a part of me that's like realistic me, where it's like, that's probably not gonna happen. They're not gonna do that. That's crazy. And then there's the other part of me that's like, you can hope. You can hope. Just hold on. Hold on.
1: <laughs> so geez, I can't I can't I can't believe this is actually a conversation but every time
0: <laughs> I'm, I'm spreading the gospel because anytime anyone ever complains about the reserve list on Twitter, I just immediately post snow-covered Duel Lands, It fixes all problems. But I just should, I should just have that as like one of those like pre-typed out posts that you just copy and paste because that's how often I I'd spout it on Twitter. Uh,
1: so I guess now th- all right, and and this is, I know this conversation has been had too. I don't believe I'm even having this conversation. The, uh, all right, so the reserve list was that they w- will not function. They n- will not reprint this card in its functional form, right? So they make the collector's edition, fucking Tundra, and all that shit. Um, and somehow that's supposed to relate to Fork and Reverberate, because Fork is on the reserve list, but Reverberate was printed.
0: Right, but uh, um, maybe I don't understand the question here.
1: How is Fork and Reverberate so different enough to get around the reserve list, but a Snow-Covered Dual Land compared to a Dual Land would be able to oh, get around the reserve oh,
0: list? Oh, I, I see what you're saying. Yeah, when they say not reprint in its in its functional form, I think they just mean you're not going to reprint this exact card. Um, whereas the word... like They're not going to just make it so that all you do is change the name, which is where Snow-Covered Dual lands kind of walk that fine line is because you're basically just changing the name, but the fact that it's also a snow-covered dual lands, and then it can be affected in other ways, like, I think there's like a stone rain just for snow lands. Because of that, it's functionally different than a regular dual land, because a regular dual land can't be, you know, ice stormed, or whatever the stone rain for snow-covered lands is.
1: So, only because it's more susceptible to cards that aren't played?
0: <laughs> I never said it was a good reason. <laughs> <laughs>
1: So, what is the difference between Fork and Reverberate? Does Reverberate not change the color? Is that what the hell it was?
0: Yeah, I think it's something stupid like that. Or the wording's different as far as like ordering. It's it's functionally a different Magic card. It does something different. Even you know. To the layman's eye, or to like the thirty thousand foot view of it, it does the exact same thing. When if you ask a judge, a judge will be able to say it's like, oh, it's different because of X, Y, and Z. It uses the second stack instead of the layer seven B stack or whatever.
1: Well, no, I think I think what it was was fork doesn't change the color. So like if if you let's say like back in the day, I think it was if you brainstorm me and fork it, um, I, I I still have to red elemental blast the forked copy. Because it's a brainstorm, still okay. it's be, being blue. It was like some oddball ship. I mean, this is like fucking damage on the stack times, you know? I, I, right, and, right. I, what did I see the other day? Oh my god, somebody did something with that Something in, in um. Oh god, in, in sealed, in sealed. There's a uh, some four four thing that. What the hell is it? Four four one red, give it haze to blue and two colorless and bounce it, and a blue and uh, two colors and a green to <laughs> pump it. It's some really, it's it's a. It's a fucking good creature. It's a black, red, it's a green, red, and blue. Whatever the hell the name of it is, anyway. Mm-hmm. Um, so it attacks, he pumps it, and, um, and I'm thinking like, well, yeah, I guess now that I can remember, like, when I was a kid, damage on the stack, he'd, like, bounce it and kill his
0: creature still. Oh yeah. That's why, that's why Morphling is <laughs> such a great card is because you could block, put damage on the stack, and then change Morphling's, uh, toughness, you know, lower his power, then boost its toughness.
1: Like, it, for some reason when I saw that, I remembered what it was like when I was playing as a kid and I'm like, oh yeah, that is different. All yeah,
0: right. yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. Oh, the but, good old days, but.
1: Oh shit, I didn't even think of that. Okay, and that's something that people must be doing in modern then, right? When you cast a grape shot, let the storm trigger resolve, then remand the grape shot and recast it.
0: Yeah, yeah, the same thing with empty the warrants too. Um, pe- people will use remand in that case. Hmm. Um, it's really funny when you cast Into the Warrens and then your opponent remands it. <laughs> You're just like, thank you. <laughs> <laughs> yes, I will cast that again. Thank you very much. Oh, this
1: has been such terrible conversations. <laughs> uh, <yeah. laughs> so,
0: so, I, was, but, I was also just thinking that how confusing this episode is going to be for anyone in the future who stumbles across this episode and listens to the intro. <laughs> and they've like stumbled across a episode from a parallel universe where these things actually took place.
1: Force <laughs> um, <laughs> so Will was reprinted in the last course. <laughs> yeah, well, I'm exactly. telling you. If, so, all right, here's a little let, let's. Since we haven't done enough stupidness here, let's think about this for a minute. So, if they want to blow out the last core set, right? Um, let's pick a card for each color that would just sell packs like like crazy, nonsense. Like so, green gets Tarmogoyf,
0: and and yeah. It's also, the other stipulation is it's cards that are probably not going to be a Modern Masters.
1: Okay, all right. So yeah. So green. Oh, ooh, So
0: and I'm going to even say go so far as these are. Like I would not be surprised if they were. I'm not saying all five of them are going to be in, but I would not be surprised if one or two are. Okay. So I think
1: I I, w- I was actually going to sit in Magical Christmas Land, but this. For I a mean, yeah,
0: we could be. I mean, I think it, it, we walk a fine line.
1: All right. So let's just
0: say my reality for the future is extremely optimistic.
1: I, I guess. I guess the way I'm thinking about it is a card for each color and potentially an artifact or land. That has a price tag that is high. That is a legacy played card that would be interesting to see in modern. Um, Actually, I guess that doesn't. Tarmogoyf is already in modern. Um, Right. So
0: I mean, are you already thinking Wasteland and Force of Will?
1: No, I was actually thinking Caracas and Force of Will.
0: Ooh, actually, I could totally see Caracas in modern. Caracas would be would be not that great in. Uh, standard, because it's not like we have super legendary cards right now. It would definitely be a, an addition to Modern that wouldn't break the format, but would just be a good addition to have access to. So yeah, I could totally see Caracas in Modern.
1: And, but I think...
0: I think I th- is Caracas on the reserve list?
1: Well, that's, that's what I think I want to try to do, is see if there's some cards that we can pick up, you know, and, and think of, that could go in the last core set, that are not on the reserve list. Um, and Caracas, uh, Caracas is what?
0: I'm, I'm uh, checking right now. I don't no, I'm,
1: I'm just trying to think. Legends, that's what it was.
0: Right, uh, yeah.
1: So, Caracas is not on the reserve list.
0: Yeah, it is not on the reserve list. Strangely yeah. enough, Karn Silver Golem is, though. <laughs>
1: <laughs> well, no, you know what, you know what, the, his the, oh, the one that I always love to see on the reserve list, because it really makes no sense to me, is Demonic Hordes.
0: Yeah, yeah, exactly. Like,
1: I guess they just really don't like land destruction.
0: Yeah. <laughs> like, <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Um, yeah, so I could totally see Caracas seeing print in a standard set.
1: Alright, so, so on, on, on those lines, so a card of each color, maybe a land and an artifact that have a high price tag that would absolutely blow out the last core set. Mm-hmm. Uh, that may not freak out modern.
0: Yeah. So Tarmogoyf for green, I think, is pretty obvious. I think
1: I think we'd agree on that.
0: Uh, I think for black, Liliana. They Liliana already, of the Veil. Yeah, they already said she's not going to be in Modern Masters. She's the promo for the PTQs, but that's not going to lower her price at all. And she was already rumored to going to be in the last corset, set, but it wasn't because they didn't want to bust open Mono Black even worse than it was. So I can totally see Liliana being in the next core set.
1: Really. Not uh, change the Mephistopheles, huh? I mean, yeah. that's that's
0: definitely a reserved list. <laughs> okay,
1: all right, oh, all I right. Mean, so yeah, also, we were would never of
0: change the Mephistopheles because it's the most confusing card in the world.
1: All right, I'll have to come back to black. Um, all right, so green uh blue Force of Will.
0: Uh, I mean, for other, I would love to see it, but for other reasons, they just they've already said they don't want a Force of Will type card in modern.
1: Yeah, they just want to keep banning cards to make it a turn four format.
0: Yeah, exactly. Well, the thing is, is that force will wouldn't really fix those problems. Force of will wouldn't. The decks in modern are already slow enough that you don't need a turn one force of will. Right. Sur- survive. So all force will would really do is make those combo decks that much more consistent by giving them a better protection piece than they already have.
1: Okay, so they would. I guess, yeah, I guess they'd have to print Force of Will and then ban it.
0: Yeah, so I mean,
1: something like that. I mean, my my thought uh, was yeah, like, yeah, I don't
0: think they'd ever print Force Will in a standard legal set. They would just do it in a supplementary uh, product.
1: Okay, my yeah, I guess my thought wasn't so much its impact on my modern. My thought was uh, where they would just blow out Corset. Oh packs.
0: yeah, <laughs> if they wanted to, blow, yeah, definitely Force of Will. If they wanted to blow out Corset backs, um, I think a more realistic one for Blue would probably be. Snapcaster Mage, it jumps to my mind, but I don't just want to be doing the best of Innistrad here.
1: Right, <laughs> and I'm, I'm trying to think of things that go a little bit further back that have a higher price tag.
0: Yeah, I mean, Jace comes to mind, but they would never want Jace back in Standard. Mm-hmm. Um, maybe Intuition? Is Intuition on the reserve list? Let's see. Uh, no,
1: I don't believe so. What was that, Mercadian Asks?
0: Yeah, Intuition is on the reserve list. It was in Tempest.
1: Oh, Tempest. Okay. Yeah,
0: so intuition—that's out. Um, I guess Mendelian click, but that's probably going to be in Modern Masters too. Uh,
1: okay, click would do it. In, in which case, I mean, if we're going to go Tarmogoyf and click, we might as well go Bob for black.
0: Uh, I would be—I would actually rather Liliana over Bob. I'm going to say it. I think Liliana is more important than Bob these days. I mean, hmm. I still see a lot of Lilianas. I don't see that many Bobs. I can't even remember the last time I sleeved up my own Bobs. Okay. It, it will, it's just, it, since Treasure Cruise has been printed, no one wants to run Bob. because yeah. No one wants to take eight off of Bob.
1: Yeah, yeah, all right. That's like, it was pushing point. it
0: already with Force of Will, but now Treasure Cruise, mm-hmm. like your converted mana cost is just way too high for you to be risking it.
1: Man, is it, why can't I think of another blue card that gets played?
0: <laughs> or a
1: black card.
0: Um, I mean, realistically, but they did just print it in conspiracy. Uh, Stifle. I think Stifle would have been pretty cool. Because I think Stifle would actually be a welcome addition to modern. I don't think Wizard shares my view, cause I don't think they want one mana stone reigns, which is the best use of state. I was
1: gonna, say, I was gonna say, stifling people's fetches in standard would be so fucking
0: strange. Yes! Yeah. Oh, I would love that! I would, I would play standard if I could stifle people's fetch lands in standard, cause that's what I would do. I would build mono blue stifle, that would be my standard deck.
1: Do you, do you play, do you play a lot of modern?
0: Uh, or, no, not really. Ha, have you played any? I mean, yeah, I have, I have, uh, storm. Uh, oh,
1: okay. I've i played Merfolk from time to time in Modern. Mm-hmm. I mean aside from like Goriel's Vengeance and stuff, one of the other decks I can port back and forth is Merfolk. So sometimes I've played Merfolk and you you catch a modern player off guard when you trick by in their fetch land.
0: Oh yeah. <laughs> <And that's laughs> like, like they, oh yeah, you have trick buying. So you can totally get <laughs> re, get with stifle in modern.
1: <laughs> and like but it catches them off guard because the they're either not used to that or they forget Trickbind exists. Yeah. And like, I, I'll end up playing Trickbind like Stifle. I, I actually, you know, in, in modern when I play Merfolk, I'll play Pact and Negation with Trickbind. Because if I actually want to stop something, I'll play four of each. And then if I if if I get to the point in the game where I could just pay for Pact, I just start Trickbinding your fetches. It's <laughs> so weird. It's so weird because it, it throws people off. And I've watched like modern burn decks. Use fetch lands. I haven't seen it recently where they're like fetching into treasure cruisers to get more burn.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, but when you just like trick bind their fetch, it kind of fucks them up. The fetch is still in the ground in the graveyard, so they're still getting one less for treasure cruise. But it, it's
0: yeah, it's still yeah. So I I could totally see stifle being reprinted in, in standard, especially now that you are brought up trick bind.
1: Actually, that's really not bad because since they reprinted the other five fetch lands. God, that that opens up that line of play in modern. That's so interesting in Legacy. I say it's interesting in Legacy, but it's actually one of the things that pisses me off the most. Yeah. Is the the Delver deck stifle when you fetches.
0: <laughs> like this. Yeah. Like, this snow. Well, they don't really do that that often anymore.
1: Oh, that drives me up a fucking wall. I
0: still do it because I just love Stifle. Stifle. Oh. Stifle's in my top ten cards of favorite favorite. <laughs> so good. it definitely it it,
1: it. It, it it does it definitely has more interactions than I. You know, when I first started playing Legacy and I'm looking at Stifle and the price is going up and the price is going up and it I, it doesn't really dawn on me and I start playing with it. Um, when I started playing with it, I still learn interactions on that card that I wasn't aware of. Like, all right, Stifling the Fetch is the first one that comes to mind. Uh, stifling, somebody has to activate a helm because it's only going to take me one more turn. That's another one that comes to mind. Stifling... Emrakul's cool's annihilator trigger. Suddenly I'm like, "Oh shit." Yep. I didn't I didn't realize that. They're like then it just recently was you can stifle the miracle trigger on entreat the yep. angels. That's and I'm like, want. "Oh my god." Like this, this so there's all these different lines of play that I didn't realize stifle had value on.
0: You forgot my favorite one is uh stifling the trigger on craterhoof behemoth.
1: Yeah, yep, that's another one. Um uh, and and yeah, that, that's actually, another you know, fucking really good one, too. Yeah. <laughs>
0: that's that's why I love Stifle, is because it's one of the very few instant or sorcery cards that can, well, I guess it has to be instant, but one of the very few instant cards that can be offensive and defensive. You can be, use it to take out their mana base to push your Delver through, or you can use it to keep yourself from dying.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, and sometimes it acts as a, as a, not, um, here's, here's another one that I learned a while ago that, that, I didn't realize, um, you let somebody cast a, a whole bunch of stuff, and then when they cast Tendrils of Agony, you Stifle the Storm trigger.
0: Yeah, yeah, exactly. Uh,
1: and, like, that was another one that I didn't that, realize. Like, that's why that Stifle
0: becomes... was printed, because Stifle was printed in the same set as Storm. Stifle was printed as the stopgap for, for Storm decks to prevent Storm decks from getting out of control.
1: Oh, and the AKA, okay, and it almost worked there, so it was, it worked so good they had to print Flusterstorm. <laughs> <laughs>
0: I almost said it was the perfect answer. No, no, so no, no, that's no, no, why no. Stifle was, was printed in the first place, was because of Storm.
1: So, let me thank you, Jerry. Now that, now that we're off of the snow-covered tool conversation, <laughs> and the valid place would Stifle.
0: Oh, yeah. uh, <laughs> uh, should we run, run through the list? So we got Tarmogoyf, Liliana slash Bob, that's where we disagree, uh, okay. Stifle. Uh, Caracas for the lands, uh, what about white and red? Humility. Humility, okay, I could see Humility, I could also see, uh, Elspeth, I think we're overdue for another Elspeth printing.
1: What do you mean, Night Errant? Yeah. Ah, she was in the last Modern Masters.
0: Yeah, that was so long ago.
1: Okay. (laughs) I also
0: feel Elspeth will sell more packs than a Humility will. Oh jeez.
1: Wait, how many how many decks want Elspeth and how many decks want more than one Elspeth? The only deck I play that actually uses Elspeth is Blue White Landstill and I only use one.
0: Yeah, but how many how many decks and especially how many casual players want Elspeth and how many players want a humility? Elspeth's all just right. a much more exciting card than Humility is.
1: Oh, alright. I was trying to get towards, like, cards to get reprinted that would go towards Legacy.
0: Elspeth's <laughs> definitely a Legacy playable card. Are you joking? Elspeth, yeah, b- before Liliana was printed, Elspeth was considered the best Planeswalker after Jace. And now it's the third best Planeswalker. It's the third best Planeswalker in Legacy. Uh,
1: come on now. Come on now. Alright.
0: Are right. you sure? Maybe, Dak maybe Thank You maybe scooching in there. But still, Elspeth... It's and one,
1: I think it, you forgot somebody else?
0: No, no. No, I'm drawing a line there. <laughs> really? <laughs> yeah. Uh,
1: I, now, Tezzeret ages the bolus.
0: He's narrow. Elspeth, it just if you have in a vacuum and Elspeth beats a Tezzeret, because Tezzeret you have to build the deck around. Elspeth is just a good card. You just need two white mana and Elspeth is a good card. Tezret, you need 59 other cards that do well with Tez. <laughs>
1: <laughs> okay, you got me there. Well, what the... So, what deck uses Elspeth? The only one I can think of is Blue-White Landstill.
0: Uh, Bant. It, it's definitely fallen off it. She doesn't see as much play as she used to, but she used to see a lot of play. Basically, all the blue... All the control decks were running Elspeth as a win condition. Uh Bant, mm. Bant ran her. uh Blue-White ran her. Um, well, uh, bl- uh, what is it? Death and taxes ran her, r- ran her because giving what like plus two, plus two, and flying to a Miran Crusader is pretty awesome.
1: Yeah. Okay. Or the token Skull Token. Yeah. Or the Baddish Skull
0: Token, or a Geist of Saint Traft. Um. So she's fallen off just because the decks have gone tighter and there's not as much room for her anymore. But mm. she's definitely still a legacy contender, and I wouldn't be surprised if my opponent resolved one against me.
1: Mm. All right. uh... Let, let's let's so, shit. All right. So we got well red. Price of progress. Uh
0: yeah, I can see. Oh, well, I mean, if they printed price of progress in modern, burn would just be the hands down best deck. They're, How the
1: hell have we gone from two hundred dollars on Tarmogoyf to fucking <laughs> four on price of progress? Hey, hey,
0: no, price of progress is still like a like a nine dollar card or something like that. How
1: about? Oh no no no. There we go. So there we go. Red. I I got red. Ready? Yep. Imperial recruiter.
0: Uh, sure. That's the thing, is if they could print Imperial Recruiter, and they could print him at common. <laughs> That's the thing, like, Imperial Recruiter is just not a very good card. Like, you, if that was in standard, I guarantee you it would be common, maybe uncommon. But because it was from freaking Portal, it's a $150 card. Well, it's not on the reserve
1: list, so it fits that criteria. Gets played yep. in Legacy, fits that criteria. Doesn't go, uh, can go into modern, um, yeah. So, yeah. Totally. So, so Red Imperial Recruiter. Mm.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Uh, geez. I, look, it sounds like the only cards that we came up with were like white, red, and Caracas.
0: Yeah, I mean, yeah, yeah, the others were chosen green, for us.
1: Green, red, and green, red, and Caracas. The other ones don't seem to even be on the same playing field as those two.
0: Uh, I, I, it depends on your perspective. If, all right. if you look at all cards are equal, you don't really look at dollar values. You just kind of look at playability and you know what you would enjoy to see. I, th- I feel all, all of those are pretty equal.
1: All right. Well, how about this? How about we continue this conversation in 2016?
0: Yes, exactly.
1: Or 2015 <laughs> or whatever year we're going into. Sound Top good? Yeah, I like pairings that. Have been posted.
0: Uh, so anyone you want to scoop in the top eight tonight, Adrian?
1: I'm still kind of confused there. Anybody want to scoop in the top eight? Uh, I don't think I even know the names.
0: <laughs>
1: <laughs> I mean, there's there's actually that guy with his seven-year-old daughter. You know, but,
0: <laughs> The mystery guy. <laughs> the
1: mystery guy that wants to start playing Legacy. <laughs> um, and who else? You know what? There was, I don't know his name, but, man, there's a kid down at Ice Imports that was running the counter, and I was looking at Lion's Eye Diamonds and, like, it's funny. It's, it's, it's funny. I saw the children of Corliss and I started like, shaking a little bit. <laughs> He's like, you want me to pull it out for you? Like, <laughs> he, he recognized me as a 10-pence player. And there are, I mean, there's a lot of good players down at Ice Imports, but I, uh, since I didn't get to see them last Sunday and I won't be able to see them until 2016, let's, I'm gonna, I'm gonna scoop into top eight all the guys from TE. Uh, Dan, Josh, um, even yeah, and Jay Richardson. I haven't heard from him in a little bit.
0: <laughs> Not anyone else. Not you know Brad or a- uh <laughs> I almost said Adrian, but <laughs>
1: <laughs> oh man, screw that Adrian guy. Yeah. Uh, you know Brad and Nate and uh, Keenan, like you know, oh. all the guys down at T. Yeah.
0: You um, know who you are. We'll leave it at that. <laughs> okay,
1: Aaron and Kate. Geez, I feel like I'm leaving people out. Yeah, there. exactly. Once you
0: once cool. you get past like three or four, you can't even say like everyone else because now you're just clearly forgetting people.
1: <laughs> I think I'm gonna run in. Oh, oh, you know what? We didn't even mention this. How about that one, dude? Uh, Brent. Not last week, but the week before.
0: Mm-hmm. Oh Did yeah, we, running just case and Ascendancy. We talked about that last episode. No, we didn't. I think we did.
1: No, we, I know, I wanted to, but no, no, I noticed in editing it never even, it never even, oh, hit, the, wow. it didn't even hit the cutting room floor. Uh, we'll, so, we'll have to
0: leave I, that for next time.
1: I'm, I'm, gonna, I'm gonna scoop rent at the top 8 for playing a deck I've never seen before and making me play against it. That was sweet.
0: <laughs> awesome.
1: Uh, what about you, Jerry? Uh,
0: I think I'm also gonna be scooping into an entire top 8, so it looks like we got a top 16 this week, but uh, last night I did a holiday cube draft with a bunch of the community members, uh, Slick Jagger. <laughs> Uh, JR, paper shaman, a uh, bun- bunch of guys. Uh, So <laughs> now I'm now I'm going blank too because I made fun of you. I'm I'm now getting the karma effect. Uh, <laughs> uh, I'm, Ian, ju- I'm just
1: I'm just giggling because I want to start dropping bomb sound effects for the name dropping. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs>
0: Yeah, so we're just playing, playing with all those guys. Uh, it was an awesome time. Uh, you know, had a real good time. So, we're gonna be doing it again soon. So, yeah, just wanna scoop those guys in.
1: Oh, sweet. And, uh, yeah, and I think, I'm, I'm, I'm hoping in a couple of weeks there'll be a fucking sick ass scoop in the top eight, but we'll
0: see what happens. Yeah, uh, Ideally. A little, even... a little hint for the future.
1: Yeah. Um. in the meantime, uh, yeah, in the meantime, Jerry, I guess, what, what the, I will, I think I'll see you one more time at the end of 2015. Anyway, I'll see you New Year's Eve, maybe, um, as we really get ready to wrap this year up.
0: It's true. It's true. Can't wait. It's Sounds good. Going to be some good times. All right.
1: In the meantime, guys, you won't see us until 2015.
0: Yeah, actually, by the time this comes out, it'll probably be almost 2015.
1: It'll be almost. So let's hope you guys all drive safe and and uh, enjoy the new year, and we'll see you Next year.
0: Yep, don't just pack it, wear your jacket.
1: (laughs) (laughs) The tournament is over and the store is closing. Feel free to see us during normal business hours by emailing the show at leaving a legacy mtg, at gmail.com. You can also find the hosts on Twitter with Adrian at Mathima and Jerry at JMEE3RD. You can also join the Leaving a Legacy Facebook group to stay connected.